0: Good morning, it is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn, Griffin's back. Got a lot to do on the program today. Coming up in a few minutes, the wizard, Walt Williams, joins us. We'll talk some Terps. Got a nice win, obviously, at home yesterday against Northwestern. Stop chanting overrated. I mean, We've got to get to a breaking point. It's like, I don't know what we do about this. I used to just sort of roll my eyes and like, I don't know, it's... it's no, no. It's the dumbest chant in all of sports. It's so insanely stupid. It's not just like, hey, when you chant, when kids are screaming vile things or F whatever. Like, it's not cool. This just makes you look stupid. And it's been that way for a long time, and I finally reached my breaking point. I guess the problem was that Maryland wasn't winning a lot of these games. During the years. Like, when you're young, you just don't think anything of it, right? You're just used to it. Everybody chants overrated when you beat a ranked team. It's it's the way it works. It's kind of part of the furniture. So you never really think and spend any time considering how insanely stupid it is. And we, to be fair, haven't intelligently come up with something to replace it with. We've got to work on that. Let's go bad. Bad. I, no! It's the opposite of that. If you're doing that, what you're saying is, hey, it's not all that impressive that we won this game because you stink. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Is this what we're doing with Spiro? We're going to rank the worst chance. Oh, I could, we could, we could have a conversation. Or maybe best chance. If if Spiro would just say anything that anybody said at Maryland, that would be the list. Spiro would just say, if Maryland fans said it, it's the worst. That's what he would say. Um, I, I heard well, that yesterday. So far this season, maybe true. I heard that yesterday and I just, like, I cringed at the stupidity. Cringed at how insanely dumb it
1: makes you look.
0: This isn't really all that impressive. We're not all that good because you're not good either. God, come up with anything. How have we had 100 years of people going to games? And no one has come up with something that would actually work for these circumstances. I beg of you. The point being. That is not germane to the point. The point, of course, is that Maryland got a nice win. Walt Williams will join us in a little bit. We'll talk about that. And Can they actually get the job done on the road? Look, Ohio State, they, they just beat a real team. Like they, They're not maybe the, the shoe-in. They're slightly better than Minnesota, I guess is what I would say. Everything on the road in the Big Ten has been a problem for Maryland. And if they want to lock up a top-four seed in the Big Ten tournament and a double-bye, they're going to have to win at least one, probably both of these games. Eh, I don't know if it's probably both. There's too much math to be involved. There's too many teams with seven or eight losses for me to figure out who would have to. They're definitely going to have to win one. They might have to win both. We'll talk to Walt Williams about that. Jeremy Conn will join us as he does every Monday. I want to talk to him about the pitch clock stuff. We talked about it on 105.7 The Fan yesterday. I, I guess because people around here haven't seen it yet, I, I, was, I didn't get nearly as much of a response on it as I thought I would. But we had a nice conversation with Steve Johnson about it on The Fan yesterday. It's very intriguing to me. It's one of the most, after seeing it this weekend, obviously just on Twitter because, you know, we're not allowed to watch the games here. Um, after seeing it this weekend, I found myself saying, huh, oh, that's, con- that's going to end up being a huge story. And I I think Major League Baseball is going to try to prevent that. I think they're going to do, like, take some steps between now and the start of the regular season to try to make sure that it doesn't become as big of a storyline once the games begin. But I don't know, man. It's fascinating. I want to talk to Jeremy about that. Uh, of course, he was also involved with Radiothon, it was a huge week for them. So I want to talk to him about that as well. Uh, as Griffin mentioned, Spiro Maricus. Long-time Towson play-by-play voice will join us in studio this morning. We'll talk about the Tigers. They've got a big week this week with the CAA tournament getting underway on Sunday night for Towson. Uh, Not been a place where they've had a lot of success. Just the reality of it. And after the way they wilted in the second half against Charleston on Thursday night, boy, I was feeling good. They were up by 10. I'm feeling good. I'm like, man, I think Towson might be figuring something out. And then I realized... Yeah, one guy was figuring something out, and then when Charleston came up with a defensive answer for that one guy, they didn't have anything figured out at all. All The only thing they could do was just jack up shots. That's it. That's what they had for him. Um, we'll talk to Spiro about that, but more importantly, he. Uh, whenever Spiro comes in, you know there's a reason. This time it's to talk about the candidates for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, and so we will discuss that with Spiro. And then, before the show is over, former Orioles pitcher Adam Lowen. What a story, man. You, of course, remember Adam Lowen, highly touted pitching prospect, arrived, it didn't work out. So then he reinvented himself and he came back as an outfielder and reached the major leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays. But then he went away again and came back as a pitcher again and reached the major leagues with the Philadelphia Phillies. Wild story. He's out of baseball. Tragedy uh, befalls him as he loses his wife to, I believe, breast cancer. And he has decided to come back, if you will, one more time... And he's going to pitch for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. It's an incredible story with Adam Lowen, and he is a really good dude. And so I'm looking forward to catching up with him. It's been a long time, probably been over a decade since I talked with Adam Lowen. So looking forward to that conversation a little bit later on in the show. Busy, busy Monday edition of GCR. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma To reflect your unique personality and driving habits, check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I don't have a strong... Maryland to me is the biggest story of the weekend because it was much needed, right? That's a team that you're directly competing with in order to get one of those top seeds. You handled your business. It is the biggest story. But the emotions of yesterday, you want to project a little bit more. You want to make a, a big grand statement about Maryland basketball after an emotional senior day, an incredible second half, and ultimately you know, running away from a ranked team for a big win. You want to make a big, grand statement about it, but the truth is it means about as much as how they followed up on the road. To be clear, going 10-0 and at home in conference play is an accomplishment. What kind of accomplishment? I don't have that answer. I know it's an accomplishment you're not going to hang a banner for it. You're not going to walk into Xfinity center next year and say, we're really good at home against everybody, but UCLA, like 10 and 0 in big 10 conference. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to do that. It's, it's notable. It's, it's impressive. It's exactly what you would want a team to do in college basketball. And as I said yesterday, it's a statement at least as much about the parody of the big 10 as it is about Maryland. And that's, I don't want to seem like I'm taking something away from Maryland in the process, but it is definitely a statement about the fact that this year, the Big Ten was far more bunched together than it was top-heavy. It created that opportunity. There was one team that kind of separated themselves a little bit, obviously, in Purdue, and Maryland did beat them at home. That's an accomplishment. I, none of this is me trying to suggest that Maryland doesn't deserve credit for going 10-0 and at home. But if they turn around and lose these final two games on the road, then does it matter that they went 10-0 at home in conference play? Or do you go into the Big Ten tournament being disappointed about the fact that they, the only team they were able to beat on the road was woeful Minnesota? It's the difficult part of this. If you go on 10-0 at home and won even like half of your road games you probably feel really good. You'd probably be winning a Big Ten title at that point. But that's not where Maryland is. So I know it's an accomplishment. I know this is a far more impressive season than we could have ever expected. But I think we're trying to speed up the process a little bit. I brought up with Bruce Weber last week the idea of Kevin Willard as Big Ten Coach of the Year, and I think he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation. Again, the problem is, so do a lot of other guys. Nobody thought Northwestern was going to be any good either. Does that mean that because Maryland won yesterday, Chris Collins isn't in the conversation? There are two more really important games on the schedule for Maryland. And if they win the last two games, I think there will be an extraordinarily strong argument for Kevin Willard to be the Big Ten Coach of the Year. I mean, extraordinarily. But if they lose these last two games... I don't know that there will be any argument for Kevin Willard that will be greater than an argument for anybody else that finishes with with essentially the same record. That's the weird part about this Big Ten season. We're looking at it through glasses, through red, white, black, and gold glasses. We see what Maryland was supposed to be and what they ended up being, and so we think that's got to be the most impressive thing in the league. And again, it might very well be the case, but they still have to do some more work. The, the season didn't end yesterday. It's just the last home game. They still have some things to accomplish. And again, if they lose those two games, we're going to be disappointed by it when we get to the end of the year. It doesn't take away from the fact that there's a foundation that appears to be strong. As you were watching the Senior Day festivities yesterday, you... Couldn't help but think about, like, hey, what if Dante Scott were to choose to come back for another year? I think that one's going to be a much tougher sell because Dante Scott, given his size and skill, is the guy in that group that appears to have the best chance of reaching the NBA at some point. Not even necessarily now, maybe. I don't know, maybe. But he definitely looks like the guy that could end up being an NBA player. And because of that, it's a tougher sell to think that you can get him to come back for a fifth year. If you're Hakeem Hart, I mean, I, again, this is a very difficult thing, conversation for me to have. It's easy for me to say, why wouldn't you come back for a fifth year? Well, because some people just want to get on with their life, right? Like, I did my four years of college. I'm ready to go do something else, whatever that is. Obviously, the Jameer Young conversation we've been having for for weeks, there was a tweet. Can you pull up the tweet that Jameer Young sent out last week? That got Like, he it, it said something like, one last time at the crib. And it people read into that as him saying... This is it. I'm not going to come back for a fifth year. And, you know, that would be a bummer because, you know, (laughs) it'd be nice to have Jameer Young back next year. But you can certainly understand as much as I've made the arguments for why it might make sense for Jameer Young to come back for a fifth year. I could see him, too, saying, look, I'm just ready to get on with my life. I'm ready to do the next thing, whatever that is. Don Kerry, I'm not sure who would necessarily want, although he ended up, hitting, he ended up playing well yesterday. But I don't think anybody would. Look, I'm not saying that I'd be, I would tell Don Kerry he's not allowed to come back. I just don't think he'd be high on the priority list of players that you would want to have back for next year. I don't think he would feel significantly different about Maryland next year if Don Carey comes back or doesn't come back for an extra year. Did you find the tweet?
2: Yeah, he just said, uh, The atmosphere has been crazy all year. One last
0: time at the crib. Yeah, I mean, again, that could just be, you know, that that could be nothing more than for this season, like one more game for this season. Like That might not mean anything, but... When it got out there, there definitely was a response that was along the lines of, oh, are you saying this is the last time you're going to play at Xfinity Center? Because that would be kind of a bummer based on some of the hopes that we have had. I mean, this team with Jameer Young next year or not with Jameer Young alone, eliminate Dante Scott, eliminate you know Hakeem Hart. You feel drastically different about this team's chances just if they were to get a fifth year from Jameer Young. I, I, there's not a big it it was fun yesterday was fun it was fun that this team held serve all season long at home with the exception of the UCLA game those are fun things i i don't know i can't project it any further than that i can't pretend it's something that it's not this is this is our pragmatism I can't pretend like that means alone that Maryland is guaranteed to win a national championship at some point. It's a, it's a heck of a foundation. And it's the same thing I've said all year. If they had lost one home game, it wouldn't have changed the fact that I thought there was a heck of, found, uh, of a foundation and that it feels projectable. It feels like you can say if this is what Kevin Willard's capable of doing in these circumstances, imagine what he's capable of doing in the future when he gets more of his guys and has more ability to recruit. A lot of people pointed out that after the game yesterday, Kevin Willard drove up to UMBC and was there for um, St. Francis and for future Terp John Lamoth taking on Mount St. Joe in the title game. And it's a great thing to see. It's It's awesome. You love that. I'm excited about that. But they got two more games. If they win those two games, boy, you know, I'll tell you that Kevin Willard's probably the Big Ten coach of the year at that point. I'll make some louder projections if they win these next two games on the road. But that's been an issue for them this season, and they got to go do that. We'll talk more about it here with Walt Williams in one second. Just a quick reminder that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, Call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 for free confidential services or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org in order to find out more. Joining us now, he is the wizard. He is part of the Maryland basketball broadcast crew on the radio. He is, of course, the man behind Clutch Vodka. He is our friend, Walt Williams, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Walt, what's going on, man? How
3: are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing yourself? Brother?
0: Everything is good, man. What a fun day that was yesterday, right? Like the, Absolutely. Everything about fun that. Afternoon. <laughs> man, you know, you've been through a lot of these over the years as a player in broadcasting. There's just something about the emotions of senior day, a big win over a ranked team, the the celebration of the accomplishments of a team this season. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that in college basketball.
3: I mean, not only that—you're talking about a sellout crowd. Um, uh, everybody, you know, when you look at the uh, the standings from like maybe two or three all the way down to eight, maybe a game separates everyone, and it seems like everyone we needed to lose lost yesterday as well as us winning. And so, you know, it seemed like everything just fell into place yesterday. So. Absolutely, Sunday was a great day. So let's talk <laughs>
0: about the like the, the elephant in the room, right, Walt, which is this is wonderful. And no matter what happens the rest of the way, we're going to be able to say at the end of the season, this is an incredible foundation that Kevin Willard has laid, and there's reason to be excited about the future of the program. But they're going to play the games anyway, and you'd like to see yeah. them win them. And the question becomes, how do they take this? This thing that we see, and yesterday it was about as crisp as we've seen them offensively maybe all year, how do they take this and finally play well on the road in two big games here at the end of the season?
3: Hey, if you figure that out, we're going to have to replace you. We're going to have to replace uh, Kevin Willett with you, brother.
0: Man, <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I like, is there any way, can you possibly explain, like, and it's not as if they have played poorly, like, you know, the Michigan State, they didn't play poorly in that game. It's not like they they're terrible on the road, and I know some of it is just, it's the nature of the Big Ten this year, but... There's a huge sort of thing waiting now. If you can just handle your business on the road these next 2 days against or these next 2 games against an Ohio State team that has not been very good but did just get a nice win at home this weekend and a Penn State team that traditionally has given Maryland a lot of troubles when they've played in state college. If you can just do that, there's this carrot waiting there of a double buy in the Big 10 tournament. What do they need to do better, differently, more consistently? How do they make sure that they can figure this thing out to win some games on the road
3: well, you look at the game against northwestern they um you know they play well on the offensive end now you you're not going to expect them to shoot in the sixties from the three point line, but you know you certainly don't expect them to shoot in the from ten to fifteen percent either, you know, and so on the road they they just haven't played well offensively, I think defensively um it, it it has traveled. they play well at home or on the road, but offensively is the key. They are drastically different on the offensive and it seems like they are so much more comfortable offensively at home as opposed to the road so I don't know if you you figure that out individually in the way you're warming up, making sure you're doing you' having the same routine um but also you know you um you need a guy who will take over um in moments on the road to kind of settle people down and uh so and, and to, so that you can get the uh um uh the consistency from the others as well but there are moments where you need a guy sometimes to just take over and and kind of uh, uh uh lift uh the whole team so it's going to be important to see who that guy will be you you see Jameer Young yep. he's a guy who's um uh stepped up and been has been a consistent scorer Um, But on the road, you're going to need him to do that a bit more. But also, um, you know, to get Julian going. I mean, he's been fantastic these last two games. So if he can uh, be as consistent on the road as he he has been um, at home, I think it just helps the team tremendously. And then one other element is, um, you know, uh, uh, Hakeem Hart. Him just staying aggressive and being aggressive to make things happen I think uh, his ability to see the floor his his size uh, the guys he normally go against he's he's normally taller than those guys that he's going against and so he, he has the ability to make the game easier for guys offensively so if he attacks a little bit more as well uh, to make plays uh, to create easier opportunities, I think that's how you can have the remedy of, of, of uh, the Turks playing well offensively on the road. Uh,
0: well, it, it, I, sometimes you brought up Julian. and I, To me, that's such a big part of the story, right? Like on the road in particular, it, sometimes it really just does feel as simple as if you can just keep Juju out of foul trouble on the road. I feel like a couple, you know, certainly the Nebraska game, I feel like a couple of these games would have been different results if you could have just had Julian on the floor a little bit more.
3: Yeah. And, you know, um, he's established a little bit of a reputation as well. So because you see him all the time, he gets fouls where you go, man, that was not a foul, you know. And so uh, he's a victim of of that as well. But also, you know, he he has to understand, Okay, I have one foul. I can be physical out here, but I can't be overly physical. I can't. Um, be overly anxious going after offensive rebounds and, and, you know, creating offensive fouls and those in that way and things like that. So it's a maturity that comes with that as well when you're playing with fouls and understanding how to do that and and understanding the importance he brings to the team.
0: There's no doubt about that. He has been, man, I I, I get that Jameer Young is the star that stirs the drink, but it really feels like this team, their reality has changed as Juju Reese has settled in this season. I, 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 it's, it's weird to say the most impactful because I think everybody knows the most impactful is Jameer Young. But it, in terms of, you know, digging out of that little dip that we saw a, around New Year's, I don't know that there has been anything that has been as significant to this team as the play of Juju Reese and how he has established himself, particularly knowing that it's a league that has a lot of good big men.
3: I agree with you. You know, um, he's been terrific finding those spots uh, in that, that open area in the paint. When uh, Jameer and uh, Hakeem are coming off pick and rolls, he's catching the ball clean and finishing dunking that thing. Uh, so he's put, he brought he's progressing um, very well as as opposed to at the beginning of the season when you see him now. Those two comparisons, he's made some great strides. So you feel good about what he's doing in in that short period of time Uh, at the beginning of the season. He looked a little similar to last season. And so now he looks, he looks drastically different. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's rebounding the ball consistently um, on a defensive end. uh, He's controlling the paint, uh, you know, block shots, uh, altering shots, so uh, he's been doing
0: a good job. Well, I'm almost a little bit nervous that if this team did make a run, all of a sudden there might be a little bit more hype around Juju Reese at this point, and he might have a decision to make. Walt, Walt Williams is with us here on GCR. Walt, with that said, one of the things about yesterday, um, and obviously we know that Don Carey won't be coming back. He is, he has, um, you know, run out his time. He's been almost a career collegian at this point. But these other guys have decisions to make, and with the option of a fifth year, and I. I don't think Dante Scott – I think he looks like a guy that has a chance to play in the NBA at some point and needs to sort of get on with that because of his size, his skill set. It seems like it fits perhaps reaching the NBA. But particularly there's a strong conversation about Jameer Young. I think there might be a bit of a conversation about Hakeem Hart. Man, there's a lot of excitement around this program right now. You're bringing in a highly touted uh, freshman class next year that can fortify things if you have Juju Reese back and and maybe you could get even just Jameer Young back next year. There's a lot of reason for excitement. What do you make about the decision that's in front of particularly Jameer at this point, knowing, you know, unfortunately because of his size, it's probably going to be an uphill battle for him to, you know, ever find his way into the NBA despite his skills?
3: Yeah, I think that – I think individually everyone makes that decision based on how they feel and Everybody have, um a different process that they're going through, a different thought process, and so um it's just a matter of uh where he wants to do it. if he wants to move on then that's that's his decision to make no question. Um, if he if he if he feels like uh if he come back, he gives himself a better chance uh to 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 play in the n b a uh so the good thing about it is these guys get to Uh, dip their toe in the water and and, uh, uh, get some feedback in order before they uh, have to make a decision. So I think that's a great environment for these kids to be able to do that and then being able to make um, uh, decisions based off knowledge that they have and feedback that they have so it can be a little bit more – it it'd be from knowledge, you do, know, do, so do you feel like,
0: like, Walt, do you feel like with NIL, like the idea of if it came down to, hey, you're going to have to go to Europe or you're going to have to try to scratch your way onto a, a G League roster somehow. Do you feel like with NIL now involved, there is more of an argument for or you could come back and try to have a magical season and create yourself, you know, give yourself sort of legendary status in this place forever and those opportunities will likely still be there a year from now. Like, do you feel like NIL can help make up some of that difference for for someone to make a decision like that?
3: Um, I think earlier on in their career, I think NIL is a is a a bigger factor. I think when you're talking about your fifth year and things like that, I don't I don't think NIL becomes as big uh, of a factor. But when you're talking about kids that's coming out of high school. And, and now they're able to uh, uh, participate with the NIL. I think it, it will increase, um, you know, these kids staying in college. I think one of the reasons, big reasons why they want to leave is because of pay. the pay that you get at the next level. So if they're able to receive some type of funding uh, um, in the college level, I think that you'll see these kids stay there longer.
0: I, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting conversation, and I, I, I'm i rooting for it to work out a certain way, but it's to your point respect whatever decision is made um a a lot of argument right now about big 10 coach of the year that's part in part because literally everybody's bunched up right like there isn't really any separation and the obvious choice but uh, clearly in college park there is a much stronger argument for kevin willard to be that guy there's two games left if they were to go win these two games on the road do you feel like kevin willard's going to end up being big 10 coach of the year
3: well he certainly will have a great case uh, you know, um, going undefeated at home. Uh, I believe they only lost one game this year against UCLA yep. at home. And, you know, UCLA is a top five team, you know, and uh, the Turks did not play well that game. That's probably the only only game they really didn't play well in at home. So, um, you know, the way the dominance that they've had at home with this Big Ten uh, uh, league this year, just so much parity and to be able to be that dominant at home. And then you're finishing off with these road wins yeah I think that'll be. I think he'll have a great case. All right,
0: uh, Walt Williams, remind everybody about clutch vodka. Where can we find it? What's the best drink that you've ever made with clutch vodka?
3: <laughs> well, it's all good, man. whatever you like. Um, so I like cranberry, juice and mines, but I mean, you know it's all types of ways you can make it. However you like your vodka, you know, So our clutch vodka is, is uh, our vodka is gluten-free, no sugar, no carbs. It's organically filtered with uh, coconut shells. So it gives you that clean, clean, smooth taste. But also, um, I'll be at Total Wines um uh, in Towson, Maryland this Friday nice. for tasting signing. Yeah, it's Friday. So it'll be from three to six PM there. And so uh hey, looking forward to having some fun.
0: No, no, right down the street from where we are right now, come hang out. Well what time on Friday, Waltz?
4: From
0: 3 to 6 p.m. 3 to 6 p.m., stop by Total Wine, which is, of course, it's an unbelievable place if you've never been there. 3 to 6 p.m., bring your old uh, uh, Hootie and the Blowfish uh, crack review records, and Walt can (laughs) sign those. And, uh, yes, pick up some clutch (laughs) vodka while you're there. Walt, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you for having me, brother. Walt Williams with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. All right, when we come back in, Jeremy Kahn's going to join us. A lot to cover with Jeremy Kahn. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Bet $5, get $200 in free bets right now when you sign up with DraftKings, but you got to use the link at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
6: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always.
7: is the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms
8: Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in
1: style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss
9: anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I-, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what
0: you think. Here's Glenn. So earlier I was joking about Don Carey. Don Kerry cannot come back. He's not going to get a seventh year, so I want to make that abundantly clear. We're having a... We are having a crack about it. It's not an option. Not an option. Let me make that abundantly clear. Hey, Stan the Fan, Charles, Ross Grimsley tonight are going to catch up with Rick Dempsey. Um, you can check that out live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it live, you can find it at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Tomorrow, Stan the Fan, Charles, Ross Grimsley and Rick Dempsey talking baseball. Make sure you're tuned in for that. Joining us now a little bit earlier on a Monday edition of the program, he is our friend. You see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. You hear him on the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. He's our buddy, Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you?
4: What's up, man? I heard I was bumped for Matt Damon. Yes,
0: (laughs) correct. Actually, unfortunately, we had to bump (laughs) Matt Damon. We ran out of Uh time. It's really, really, it's just too bad. It's just too bad. Hey, um, did you guys go too heavy into the pitch clock stuff this morning?
4: Uh, I was a little bit on it, not much. We actually, um, we got in. I mean, we talked. We had a couple of segments where we were talking about some of the new rules, but uh, um, it, we started something with the Deion Sanders talk and what he yeah. said, and it just blew up. So
0: we ran with it. We did a little bit of that yesterday, and I you know, look. I I thought it was. I, it's a weird thing, man. I, I'll cover that really quickly with you. I like. I think it's abhorrent, right? I think it's an absolutely mm-hmm. shameful thing for Deion Sanders to say. And I've said this a million times. I think there is a way that intelligent people can say, hey, we want to see fathers be involved. We want to see, you know, if possible, two-parent homes. But more than anything, both parents involved in, in a child's life. It's a, a, a very valuable thing. But yet, understand on the flip side, that doesn't make someone else's experience any lesser or make them any lesser. And Deion Sanders suggesting it as such is embarrassing yeah, and pathetic.
4: Yeah, it's stupid. Like, I'm sitting here trying to think of a bunch of bad analogies of something you can compare it to, but there's really nothing that does it justice. I, I mean, it's it's akin to the point of, you know, um, hiring somebody that's that doesn't have the education that somebody else does, or they weren't put in a a similar situation or maybe the background's not as great um and then all of a sudden saying that you have to label them or pigeonhole them that they can only be this because of that situation does that make sense like to say somebody that comes from a a single parent home can only play this side of the ball because of it like we dealt with this with size like oh my god that guy's hands are too small or he's too short or he's a run first guy and he can't be that and all these things that now we're talking about what household a kid comes out of. And, and you might look at numbers and say it can greatly affect it, but I don't think it's something that can be said. Or And then the, the other thing about that clip is just how hard the other guys were laughing at him. I'm like, it didn't seem like a courtesy laugh. It yeah, seemed like he got a real I, belly laugh out of it, which I, felt weird.
0: I always try to give benefit of the doubt about the idea of a nervous laugh, right? Because like, there are admittedly mm-hmm. times where I know that because I didn't know what the correct response was or I didn't process something the right way, I have nervously laughed about something. I do like to think at this point now at 40, I'm in a better place to not do that and to immediately address something and say, whoa, whoa, whoa that's, that's wrong. You no, know, like, like you're not that we, I have to push back on that. But admittedly, I've definitely given things a, 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 not in a courtesy laugh as much as a nervous laugh in certain moments, yeah. like a, I, I'm still processing this. And so I'm nervously laughing. And I tried to think that maybe that was what happened there um but yeah to your point it it sounded awful like it just everything about it sounded awful like what was the funny part of that what was the joke i'm i i man I, maybe it's comedy that's so high level that it's just over my head because i didn't hear anything in there that sounded like it was something similar to a joke
4: and look i find funny and awful things i guess to say that i i mean maybe the insinuation was the fact that a kid comes from a a single parent home that when you put him on defense, he's just going to get after it and let mm-hmm. all of his anger out. I, I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to get across there, but, but man, did they laugh their asses
0: off. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was awkward. All right, let me get to the pitch clock stuff because okay, I we tried to do the, a segment on this, and I, did, I think part of it is because, you know, you're not allowed to watch spring training games in Baltimore for whatever reason, so I don't know that everybody yeah. got to see it. But this situation that played out in this Braves-Red Sox game over the weekend, and trying to project that. like the Imagine this scenario where we're all in the stadium on opening day. The place is packed. It's a 5-4 game. The Yankees are up. But the bases are loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning. And Adley Rutschman is at the plate in a full count. And he steps into the box a second late. And they call him out because of it. I, I think that Major League Baseball is doing the right thing by implementing a pitch clock. I think... They've got it right. And I know there's an argument that, well, hey, they won't really you know, do this in that situation in a real game. They were doing it now because it's spring training. It doesn't matter. They're saying, no, this is the rule. The rule is going to be the rule. This isn't going to be like you know, what you guys ask for in football where, hey, have a different set of rules at the end of the game than you did in the second quarter. They're saying this is the rule. Doesn't matter when in the game. This is going to be what's called. I, boy, that, that is a really tough look for baseball if that actually translates to the regular season.
4: Yeah, and by the way, I'm all for whatever rules get instituted in the sport that you call it the same way from the start of the game to the end of the game. I have right. no problem with what happened in the Super Bowl. Like I I don't understand why people would want referees to change how they rep a game. And we agree. If it's about an that. infraction, it's an infraction. Yep. I like I I'm so tired of that, the, the superstar calls and all the other stuff that goes on. But but point being too is it like we can all look at this and say this isn't how we want a game to end. Um you know, I think there's a like They want to speed the game up. I'm not the guy they have to speed the game up for, because I like the game the way it is now. Like, I think the the stuff in the regular season makes sense with ghost runners and things like that, you know, the guy on second base. uh, To me, all that stuff makes sense for the regular season, keep the game the same way it's been played in the postseason. Are guys stepping out of the box? Are pitchers taking too long? Sure, but there has to be another way that we get this done. Like, I mean, is there Warnings there's something that's going on? Like, do they say something to them? Like, get back in the – because even myself, coaching high school basketball, referees will tell a kid, get out of the lane, get out of the lane. You're in there, too. Like, don't, don't yep. tell them that stuff. Yep. Hands off, hands yep. off. They'll try to give them warnings, you know?
0: That was the argument. We talked to Steve Johnson about it, and he made that argument for have a warning or a system, almost like with technical fouls in basketball. Like, someone – if someone is chronically not, you know, stepping into the box or if there's a pitcher – that's chronically violating the pitch clock then do this to them like say hey if you rack up you know three in the course of a month then every single one of them is going to be penalized but if we get to the end of the month and you've only had one we reset like come up with some sort of system to make it clear it's an actual rule that's going to be enforced but that you're not doing it punitively to the detriment of the sport in the process
4: yeah and and that's like, if you watch the game, like, how how disappointing, unless it, you're the hometown team, or I should say the team that wins that game, because um, obviously it's not going to be a walk-off unless it's the hometown team. But but the fact is, like, a game ending that way, I don't want to watch three hours plus of baseball to see it end on, an, like, if somebody gets walked in or somebody gets hit by a pitch, to right. me that's okay. And that's what happened, yes. But not to even have a pitch thrown and just send a guy home, because, I, I don't know. Or, yeah. or no, whatever. I, a guy gets out because of it. That's the tricky part.
0: Like, that's the part where you say – like, because I, I, we made the comparison of the Super Bowl thing, and the argument is, well, at that was a football play, right? Like, that's what ended it. Whatever anybody thinks about it, there was a football play. The Chiefs designed a great play. It got a guy open. James Berry, uh, Bradbury grabbed him because he was beat. The football players, they determined their fate on the field with a football play. The idea that there could be a scenario where the final play of a baseball game isn't even a play – I don't know that we have any comparison to that, right? Like, I, I, guess, yeah. I guess it would be similar to a walk-off balk, right, which we have seen happen before. But, I, again, I, 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 at least something occurred. The pitcher did something in order to create that. I don't know that we have anything else in sports that would be similar to the, the game ending without it being anything that resembles a baseball play or a, a, a play within okay. that sport. Yeah, the only thing I can think
4: of, and again, a game could end on this, but usually we see the runoff in the first half is a penalty, like a false start on a, a live ball, you know, where the clock's running. Yeah. And you get the 10-second runoff, and it ends, and you're like, ah, we were kind of robbed of it. But yeah. again, that's still somebody doing something. And I guess technically this could fall under it. It's somebody not stepping back in the box, but but come on. Like, it's just, it just
1: doesn't feel right. Does all of it feel like
0: baseball? Cause again, I to look you know how I feel about the extra inning thing I think it's wonderful right like I think it's the best thing baseball has done I love the extra inning thing does all of this combined right the extra inning thing the pitch clock the bases the not being able to throw over does it feel at some point like the totality of it makes it seem like the sport has gone too far
4: I think so I mean I just think there's a bit much like I'm tired of the competition committee getting together and tweaking things. Like we were just talking about the NFL, the NFL is already talking about not having an untimed down, just running the quarter out. And I'm going, why? You're you only have 11 minutes of action as it is, but every single year we're, we're getting into the off season. It's like, well, how do we fix this? Now, baseball's big thing is how do we speed it up because we have some games that are too long. And I'm agreeing with you that like, I, I get it. A couple of those Yankees Red Sox games that were five hours for no reason. Yeah. That's, it's a bit much, but, but on top of it we still get games that are 2 hours and 20 minutes long. We get we probably have an average of 3 hours. So I don't think if they're trying to keep the fans they already have, they're they're not doing that. I just think it's about bringing new fans in hopefully. But um, I just don't I don't get this one at all. I think it's it's silly to make some of the changes they
0: made. Jeremy Conn is with us. Big Bad Morning Show 1057 the fan picks at pressboxonline.com. It's funny you bring up the college football thing cuz I, I, I made So for those that didn't see college football is considering you know few like uh, obviously right now the difference in college football is that like the clock stops when you get a first down and that allows for college teams to have a, a greater shot at putting together a last minute drive they are considering some rules changes because their games admittedly have gotten to about four hours long like college football games have genuinely gotten to a very long point but the argument i made yesterday is in football i'm completely okay there's one game a week in football like that's all Mm -hmm. you get I am not in a rush to do something else I don't get to watch another game the next day I understand in baseball why again in theory you want the games to be a little bit shorter Somebody sitting at that game saying "Ah, hell there's another one tomorrow I don't need to stick around I can leave I get where in general they'd want to say hey look we don't really want the games ragging out the three and a half hours. I don't think they need to force it, and that's why I'm struggling with the the pitch clock, which, again, I like the idea, but don't know that I like the the way that they're implementing it. Um, but I get the concept of, hey, we've got 162 games uh, this season. It would be probably behoove us for us to have these games not all be three and a half hours long, whereas in football, I mean, have you ever been watching a good football game and said to yourself, like, Damn, dude, it's just going on a little bit. I guess maybe you, because you work mornings, like that might screw things up a little bit for you. But I've never in my even life even then thought no, about though. It. But yeah. even
4: like if I'm actually staying up to watch a game and I'm in it, I don't want it to be crappy. I don't want it to, and you know, like there are times where uh, the only thing I would say is a Ravens blowout where I feel like, like if if the Cowboys are up four touchdowns in the third quarter, I'm probably thinking they're winning, and I might go to bed unless I place the wager on that game. Um, But if the Ravens are playing Sunday night football and they're up four touchdowns, I'm staying until the very end because you don't know what could happen from an injury to a goofy play call and when we might talk about it. So I think that's probably the difference in it. But but I get it.
0: I mean, I get it. I get it. And I think that there have been times where, admittedly, I have either been watching a game. It, It is just easier for me. I'm watching a game. It's a good game. But. Uh, there's going to be another game tomorrow night and i just don't feel Mm -hmm. as inclined to stick around through it because not the the singular games don't mean quite as much as they do obviously in football where again i mean the absurdity the the idea of the clock running on an incomplete pass is i I mean like Mm -hmm. the game's gonna take two hours at that point right like what what in the world would you be doing discussing the concept of letting the clock run on an incomplete pass in college football that's I, I can't believe someone suggested that and didn't immediately, wasn't immediately informed, like, look for a different line of work. You have no idea what you're talking about. I,
4: but I need to see the group that's complaining about it, like that guy in all the memes that's holding up the sign that says, prove me wrong, this, right, is this right, whatever. Like, right, right. Where, where are the groups that are going? College football games are too long. Make them shorter. And I, I understand the baseball thing. Like you said, it's 162 games. Um, some of the games get out of hand. I think there are other ways to try to speed it up. But this isn't one of them. Like, at least in my opinion, I don't think the, the, like the clock being there, could it be something where it's like, um, hey, don't mess up or else we'll do this, you know, or you get that slap on the wrist and you know it's there. It's almost like um, Glenn being in radio where you have a hard out and you know you have, I got to be out at fifty six, or if you don't, you don't pay attention to it as much. So maybe maybe if they put the clock up there, guys will look at it and it'll speed it up. I, but I don't want to see penalties because of it.
10: Yeah,
0: that's, I don't. That's where I'm at. I, I again, or unless you have a habitual problem with it. That's that. I am. Yes. I that part is intriguing to me. And again, I guess the rule, the word is that for now they've got the pitch clock on screen in spring training, which again would be nice to see uh, in Baltimore. We'd love to be able to see it. Uh, but they've got it on screen. It's literally right behind the plate. And Major League Baseball has essentially kind of privately said we're going to take it away. And you're not going to be able to see it on screen, which the belief is that that's because they want to be able to not like enforce it. They want to be able to create gray area where people aren't screaming, "Hey, the clock!" The the way that we see this in football all the time, well, the clock was at zero; that play shouldn't have counted. And in in football, they're like, "Well, that's not technically the rule." The belief is that baseball doesn't want to create that type of controversy, so they're going to try to take the clock off the screen going into the season.
4: Yeah, I mean, would you want it treated like Dwight on the Office with his uh, demerits? (laughs)
0: Right. <laughs> like, 10 demerits equal one warning.
4: I, I
1: know that sounds warnings.
4: silly,
0: but like, I I get what Steve's saying, and I think he's on to something with that, which is the, the rule has to – in order for it to be a rule, there has to be a penalty, right? Like, you can't yeah. just say we're going to implement a pitch clock and then do nothing about it. And Steve said essentially that's what they did at, at the tail end. The last time he was back in the minors, they had already implemented the pitch clock in the minors, but there was – like, you could just step off the mound or whatever. Like, you could just do whatever you wanted to sort of get around – the pitch clock, there has to be a rule of some sort. But nobody wants to see it in the big moment of a big game. Like No one wants that. No one wants for there to be a pitch clock violation in a huge moment of a game. And so the idea being, how do we make it so the rule exists, and there is a penalty to make sure that it is a rule that exists, but not end up allowing it to impact the product we actually see on the field. And the idea of there being a warning system or... A demerit, a, you know, a, a Dwight-like demerit system. I,
6: I, I don't know. I think, a distadulation. Yeah.
0: I, I uh, think there's merit to demerits. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. I think that's what. Well, I was how
4: about what if they treated like baseball and you get three strikes and then you're out. Like right, you get right. you get two <laughs> yeah. warnings and then the last one, then it's like, hey, chief, we're giving you an actual I'm
0: strike. I'm not opposed to it. All right, uh, Rocky Nine hits theaters this week. I am very excited. Uh, there is nothing that gets my juices flowing quite like a Rocky movie coming out. Uh, give me your list, and if you've not been as invested in the Creed movies as I have, I can understand, but give me your ranking of Rocky movies. Oh,
4: uh, so you could take five and throw that damn thing in the trash.
0: I I know that's true, but I still don't like... I I don't like trashing it. I just watched it the other day. I know it's true. I know it's... I mean, the the absurdity of them doing a Rocky movie that didn't actually have a fight. (laughs) Like, the absurdity of it. Um, But it... I don't know. I... It's still a Rocky movie, and I would still rather have it in my life than not have a Rocky movie. So I just don't. Yeah, I didn't
4: like the I didn't like the Rocky Balboa movie either. Um, I
9: thought it was pretty good.
0: So it's
4: weird. Like if I was talking about talent movies, like I, I would go Rocky one, Rocky two, Creed one, Creed two.
0: Okay, boy, I can't believe how and then, how low you've put Rocky four on this list. Like it blows my mind. No, either. no.
4: So look. Rocky three and Rocky four are my favorite Rocky movies. But if I'm judging it from how talented those like those are, it's almost like uh, they're to me they feel like cult classics. Where one and two feel like great films. Does that make sense? Like the way that they were written, like okay. three and four, are so much fun. I love them, but they're like I'm not giving them any awards or anything. You know, I think where one Rock- and two should get.
0: But Rocky four is such an important like picture. I don't know that we bring back. I don't know that Creed happens if not for america's fascination with rocky 4 with the memeability of rocky meme is that what i'm meme, memeable it's it's fine i accept yeah of rocky 4 I, I think rocky 4 is so important to the the celebration of rocky within the cultural zeitgeist that well, I, if you told me
4: I could only have Rocky 3 and 4 or all the rest of them, I'm taking 3 and 4.
0: Yeah, now that's tricky for me because I actually cried in the first Creed film. Like, it, when that's when the shorts, when he gets the shorts in the first Creed film, I cried. I said, I can't, I can't believe. Now, and part of that is that Ryan Coogler's a genius, right? Like, he's an effing genius. Yeah. But when those shorts show up, I'm telling you, I was weeping in the theater. It meant that much to me.
4: Well, I felt racist because I was rooting for Drago's son. You son of a I'm bitch. like, this you guy didn't son. do anything wrong. His
0: parents <laughs> are crappy. It's so true. It's what? so true, you, right? Why is
4: everybody it's, bad at his him? Mother, you know
0: Brigitte Nielsen is just awful. <laughs> like, what a wretched person she is. God he got his dad me. trying to
4: put it all back
0: together
7: again. Yeah, like, right?
0: I felt bad for him. No, no, no. I understand that, but it doesn't change my opinion about it. I still I'm still yeah. know who I'm rooting for. and And by proxy, I was rooting for Rocky. Are you nervous about a Rocky film without Rocky? Does that give you an all pause?
4: No, because, like, the people involved with it are really good at what they do. You know, I'm sure it'll be an entertaining movie. Maybe, again, maybe it's not going to be some super award winner or anything like that, but I'm sure the movie will be entertaining. Um, you know, I just, I, I wonder, like, maybe this one, I don't know if they could bring Drago back and, you know, they could post something like poverty. If he dies, he dies. You know, that could be, like, the the villain. Right. Um. after, you know, if the son's not making enough money to take care of him. But but this is the year of Jonathan Majors, man. It really the is. There's no a doubt. Big
0: it's been the month of Jonathan Majors for sure. I, I Look, I am excited about it. I, I admit the second, because Coogler wasn't involved in the second one, I got nervous about it, right? Like, I remember having this mm-hmm. conversation. Um. I, I go on dates to see Rocky movies with uh, my friend Simon him, And I remember saying to him, going into Creed 2 I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to tell you up front, I am nervous because ryan coogler is such a genius that i don't know how i feel about there being this movie without ryan coogler and i remember him looking over at me afterwards and being like how stupid are you and i'm like yeah you're right this was great this was this was wonderful but the idea like as important as the adonis creed has been and, and as good as michael b jordan is i still feel like the Rocky Balboa character truly ties everything together. And that's why I'm just a little apprehensive about doing this without the Rocky Balboa character.
4: Yeah. It does feel weird that, that he's not going to be involved. Hell, like this is how stupid I am. I thought he died at the end of the second one. I was trying to remember back to him. Yeah. Cause I, I wasn't as big of a fan as, as most people were of the second one, as I I thought the first one was good. Well, I
0: I I, You and I agree about that. The first one to me was beautiful. The second one to me was still a fun movie that was very worth me going to a movie theater to see it.
4: So I I think people sometimes get things that I say twisted when it comes, especially to sequels. Like once once you've made one, I think you've set the bar and then it's can you beat it or can you get better than it? That's why a lot of people say sequels aren't better than the originals. It's hard to find ones that you would classify in that way. But, but uh I am excited to see it. Um I did see that like knock at the cabin and what is it the whale are now out to rent, but that's the $20 rental yeah. or buy it or whatever. Yeah. But uh I think that may be happening with me this week cuz I really want to see both of those. I, I was
0: trying to do a bit where I was watching all the Academy Award movies before the Academy Awards. I I had to bag out cuz I realized these films just like I you can tell me about how great Banshees of Inisherin is. It's not. It's not that. Yeah. It's don't get me wrong, I get it. The acting is really good. I I waited forty five minutes for anything to happen. It was forty five minutes of just film for the sake of film. I
4: had the same conversation about like, um, what's a good one? There will be blood,
0: oh, which on. is an excellent film. Oh, it's a great film. But how know, many times? Oh, now we might get. No, to get no, no. Right. I'm
4: just saying. Like I was using this about rewatchability. Like sometimes okay. we oh, get confused I, of what a great film okay. is. Okay. And and a film that's rewatchable. Yeah, and like I, I'm good to with me, that.
0: I'm good with that argument. Yeah, I do not need to rewatch. Like, their I their, like, it's a it is an unbelievable film. But I'm good.
4: It's like there will be blood. The House of Sand and Fall. Like some of these, uh, what was the Manchester by the Sea? Like some yeah. of these movies that are so dark and depressing that you'd never want to watch again, but you're happy you watched it because it's a good movie. Like like to me, Seven is dark, but I can watch Seven over and over and over again and not get tired of it. Whereas like some of the other slower moving films. It makes it difficult for rewatchability.
0: Um, I don't disagree with that at all, and I, it's not even rewatchability for me on Banshees of an and I just don't think it's a good movie. I don't think it's okay. a good film. I, I, It's a well-made film, but I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's just a movie for the sake of making a movie. That's the way that I felt about it, but that's See, why... See, and I, I
4: would tell everybody to watch everything everywhere all at once. I, I do, love that film, I, but it's not going to be for everyone.
0: Yeah, I absolutely have to watch that. I have to. I've waited a long time. I watched the Elvis film, and it gave me a bit of a headache. Like, it was it was not it, it felt too long yeah and it was and it was a Baz Luhrmann film right like it, i don't know i kind of wanted it to be something else as i guess the way that i felt about it i the, didn't
10: need the
4: it. the only thing i took away from the elvis film and i'll say this my mom and the rest of my family have like the biggest heart on for elvis it's so ridiculous they go they go to the eastern they go to ocean city every year to watch that um uh, all the fake elvises the, um, wow. Um, the wow. yeah the, the they they go watch all those like every year they'll travel to 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 watch them perform and I'm going this is this is just weird like I'm thinking of my favorite band or music artist, would I watch someone that kind of sounds like him and kind of looks no, like him?
0: No. No I, just, no. I
4: don't get that, but hey, it was a different time. Um, right. but, but my mom was like, it's that, so good. That it's was, so good. And that, I watched it. That was what you said. I learned about more that, about Colonel Tom Parker.
0: Th- th- when you said it was a different time, that wasn't you making an excuse for your yearbook picture, was it? That wasn't. No, that no, not at
4: all, because that was a different time, that too. That was a different time, too.
0: Hey, uh, they, say, hi, haircut to our, my dad s- say hi to our friend Spiro Maricus, who's just joined us in studio. Oh, what's up, Spiro? Jeremy, is he how angry or happy i think he's in a good mood today i'm always in a good it's mood good. jeremy <laughs> i think he's in a good place it's so good to hear that voice when man. when when have you seen spiro what, what when when you say is he angry or happy when have you seen spiro angry i want to know what the circumstances were never
4: oh i could well i don't have enough time to list all of them can you ask me when i see spiro happy because then i can just give you dead air so <laughs> hey,
0: uh what's coming up on the big bad morning show this week
4: so it's Rob and I all week as Ed's on vacation, taking you into, what we got conference championship stuff that will be coming up. So a lot of college basketball. Uh, Terps with a big win yesterday, I'm sure. Uh, no Gary Williams talks. so fear will be happy. But we'll, be, we'll talk about the Terps. And there's some guy named Lamar Jackson, and everybody wants to no. know where he's going to end up. Dude, I'm sure that will
0: come up. I was again. in a real bind yesterday. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do three more hours of Lamar Jackson today. I just can't do it. I said I'm limiting. I'm it. going we, on a
4: Buffalo radio station at 4 o'clock to say I don't know about
0: that. And why do they care?
4: They've got a quarterback. <laughs> God.
0: All right. Add Jeremy Kahn 105.7 on Twitter. PicksEverydayPressBoxOnline.com. Love you, buddy. We'll talk next week. Bye, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. All right. See you, Spiro. Jeremy Kahn joining us here on GCR. And, yes, our friend Spiro Maricus is in studio with us. We've got other things to talk about. Do you, do, do you care deeply about the Rocky series? The movies? Yes. The
8: the I, way that you asked that saw, question I makes it the, seem like the answer is no. I saw the first one. I think I saw the second one and which one had Dolph Lundgren? Oh, All right, it? that's where we are.
0: <laughs> that's Rocky Four. Yes. Like that's that's I where we are. might have seen that one. The answer is no. You don't Grace care Jones, wasn't much. she in one of them? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, the answer is no. You don't care deeply about it. Our friend, no, our, I don't. Our common friend, uh, Simon Habdemerium, he and I go on regular. Every time a Rocky movie comes out, we go together. There's to a new one? They, they, they redid it with um, uh, Michael B. Jordan playing Apollo Creed's son. It's now the Creed series. So Creed 3 comes out this week, and we will be going over together. And, I'm lost. It's <laughs> fair. I'm lost. There's very few things that I actually care about anymore in the world. And I'm telling you, the Rocky series. Still, I still care deeply. Every every year <laughs> is I, Sylvester Stallone in these new ones. So he had been in the first two. He's not. This will be the first ever Rocky film without Rocky, and that was what I was talking about with Jeremy. I'm nervous about that. <laughs> they've done a really good job. Like they've done an amazing job of transitioning into a new character and a new leading role. And Michael B. Jordan, of course, is an excellent actor. I mean, he's outstanding and was pretty good at
8: basketball too
0: uh, well that was a different guy that was i don't know how good michael b jordan is at basketball (laughs) different guy that was okay at basketball i would contend the greatest basketball player of all time but you know that's a that gets you Uh, in a fight there's any doubt about that well ask a young person ask a young person and and see what kind of response you get to that um so i care deeply about and i am a little bit nervous i'm a bit nervous about there being a rocky movie without rocky like that's I don't know how to feel about it. I'm, if
8: that's what makes you nervous, life is very. I good care for you. about I mean. it,
0: Spiro. It's there's so few things I care about. My kids, end of list. Like that's <laughs> what I care. So it's my kids, the Rocky series, end of list. That's what I've got. <laughs> there you go. You. That's where we are. All right. When we come back in, Spiro is here, and we are going to talk about Towson. Obviously, a big week ahead. A uh, big lacrosse rivalry game on Wednesday night, and then the CA tournament starts on Sunday night for the Tigers. But we got got other important things that we're going to discuss with Spiro this morning. Namely, we're going to go over the candidates for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we're going to have Spiro tell us why none of them should get into the Rock and Roll (laughs) Hall of Fame. (laughs) That's the way that this tends to go. That's on the way in hour number two of Glenn Clark Radio. baseball season is finally here and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise including unique designs like birds are coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go, O's!
8: Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your
0: local Toyota dealer today. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every
1: Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including
0: the General George and Barbara Fritchie Steaks. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day Holiday Racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track.
9: Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat-around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and Facebook dot com slash sports or listen live at pressboxonlinecom slash radio and if you miss a show you can find us anywhere you get your podcast so tune into the bat around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at press box sports
6: Stan the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the costas Inn. and everybody around Baltimore knows the costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steak salad soups whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you
9: can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn,
0: um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCRs. We're into hour number two of the program. If you've not picked up the print issue of PressBox yet, why did it get pushed so far away from me? Normally I'm just able to grab it. There it is, right there with Gunnar Henderson on the cover. You know him. He's the number one prospect in all of baseball. He's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year in the American League. Go get this right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Spiro is so good to see you. Great to see you, sir. We don't get to do this enough. Uh, love hanging out with you. We're going to obviously dive into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but let's take a minute and let's talk some Towson here. Okay. Uh, I know it was a heartbreaker at Charleston. And, God, when they were up by 10 in the second half.
8: 13. 13? Was it
0: really? God. I had this feeling of, this is exact. You win this game. There's the feeling of we're going to go win the, the CAA tournament. Are you worried at all about how it went, and how important was it for them to get a bounce back this weekend?
8: I think it was important, but I will say this. Last year, our last game of the season was at James Madison, and it was their final game ever in the CAA. Right. Place was packed. Madison fans were message boards, whatever. Thank God we're leaving this conference, this and that. We're so much better than the CAA time to move on, this and that, and the Tigers beat them by like 45. Mm. I mean, it was an absolute – the fans were leaving with eight minutes left in the first half. It was it was horrible. So you thought going into that – Right. You're, you've got all the momentum. You've got – First game was against Northeastern, barely beat them. Mm-hmm. Lost in the semifinals to Delaware. What is – So I don't know – What going into a tournament has to do with what happens in the tournament?
0: So you've been through this so much, right, where there have been in recent years good Towson teams. You've you've started to believe this is going to be the team that's finally going to get to do it. It was in Baltimore for a minute, um, now down in D.C. with really good Towson teams. How do you best describe the difficulty of winning this tournament and why— like these have been good entertaining teams but yet- it's 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 tough i mean
8: you know you got to win 3 games in 3 days yep. um i think going into this tournament Towson is the number 3 seed and i think if you look at the season Hofstra and Charleston both finished 16 and 2 Towson finished 12 and 6 but the tigers played the toughest schedule in the conference they played Charleston twice they played Hofstra twice they played Drexel twice who finished fifth the only team in the top five they didn't play twice was UNCW who they they beat on on Saturday night Charleston didn't play all those teams twice Hofstra didn't play all those teams twice so and let's remember everyone's going on and on about Hofstra and and you know oh Towson can't beat Hofstra well Towson beat Hofstra by 21 At CQ. That's correct. Lost, I'm telling you, Glenn, one of the best college basketball games I've seen all year, live or on television. Up there, 76-72, was just a tremendously played game. And both of the
0: Charleston games were. Both of
8: the Charleston games. Charles Thompson goes to the line with, what, two Mm -hmm. seconds left? Down by one. If he makes both free throws, Tigers win the game. He misses the first, makes the second, losing overtime. Down there, up by 13 with 13 minutes to go. Couldn't hang on. Um Tough environment. Place is sold out. It's rocking. You know, Bill Murray in the crowd. Yep. It was. It was. Um,
0: Bill Murray's been yeah. to a lot of Towson games over the years. Well, he has because yeah, he, he's,
8: son, he's yeah, very thankful to Pat yeah. Scary for giving yep. uh, his son Luke, who's now an assistant at UConn, yep. a
0: job. Yep. Um, I am. I am. I'm hopeful,
1: right? But to your, it's sort of a crapshoot. we
0: all. It's just the way that it works, right? Like yep. it's a crapshoot of. What's better, rest versus rust? You run into a team that builds off winning a first game and feels good the next night and carries that over. I mean, this,
8: Georgetown a couple years ago. Right. I mean, right. You know, I mean, from th- th- that maybe, out of nowhere. Maybe
0: the worst program in all of major college basketball. Didn't Virginia Tech win the ACC uh, tournament yeah, last year? That, these things happen. That's the way that it right. goes. And this unfortunately. Th- here's the second part of the question. Where are you on the Charleston at-large bid arguments?
8: See, I think they should go in. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. No, I, I don't I where are they now 29 uh, 28 and 3 they're yeah. 28 and 3 so let's say they win the first two games they go to 30 and 3 and lose in the championship 30 and 4 how can you not put a team in that's won 30 games but they will they'll they'll take
0: Syracuse and and they'll say you or they'll take North Carolina and, and they'll say well you lost to Drexel. Like you can't get in. You lost a Drexel. Right. That's the way that it goes. It,
8: here's the one thing that I, I just boggles my mind. You look at teams and they say, Well, you know, they've 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 played thirteen quad one games. Right. But they've lost 10 of them. Yes, most of them. Correct.
10: <laughs> Correct. So
8: what? So yes. you played
0: 13 quad one games. Yes. Is is the value of losing to a good team better than the value of beating a team that isn't quite as good? So why
8: don't you just go independent right. and play all quad one games? And if
0: you win three games all year, you should That's be in. That's right. right. I'm That's three the- and 30,
8: but <laughs> yeah. we play 33 quad one games. <laughs> Nothing
0: but good teams all season long. Um, I actually am with you. I think the Charleston should get in no matter what, but hopefully the Towson beats Charleston in the semifinals and right you know whatever they feel after that they feel after that I don't care at correct. That point. correct that's where it goes so I don't mind a nice trip I am jealous you get to make a trip down to Charleston do you get any barbecue while you're down there do you get a minute to go Um,
8: I did not <sighs> I, I uh, did not spend a lot of time in Charleston. that's a shame. I, oh, I got one there of, late one Wednesday of my, night one of my favorite channels. and left right after the oh I love Charleston. so great love such Charles. a great place and the good news is that Towson well maybe I shouldn't say it but there's a tournament called the Charleston Classic yes. in November
0: yeah oh back down I think so oh three days in Charleston I like that three Wednesday,
8: is it Wednesday Thursday Friday oh this Saturday, is a, sun, you play Thursday Friday Sunday in because that they
0: tournament. don't do it because Saturday is college football right? right and they have to get the games on TV right. that ooh. my wife is very excited yeah about I don't blame that. her at all for that there's yeah. a, a my high. have you been to Rodney Scott's no. That's a strong recommendation for barbecue. Rodney okay. Scott's barbecue is, I, and I am a bar- barbecue connoisseur, I swear to God the greatest barbecue I've ever had in my life is at Rodney Scott's in Charleston. Now. So much so that when I saw the man walking around, I literally grabbed him, and him, <laughs> made him take a picture of my kids. <laughs> I said, like, meeting you right now is about as exciting as if I had met a president. <laughs> like <laughs> That's how much this moment means to me. Now, I
8: uh, what I did do um, after the uncw game on saturday night i I was driving back home and all i've heard is there's this chain called cookout yes that supposedly has the world's greatest milkshakes now okay that's oversold so i got one
0: yeah and you said, it's fine. Well, you
8: had to eat it with a spoon because right. it was so thick. Right. I'm basically, I'm eating ice cream.
0: This isn't yes. a milkshake. I'm just okay. eating ice cream. Here's my thing with cookout. And Allegedly, cookout is coming to Maryland at some point in the, the coming years, although we were alleged that we were getting a Bojangles for about 15 years before finally it's happening. So, allegedly, cookout's coming. The cookout thing to me now, as someone who doesn't drink, I'm good. Like, when I was in the phase of my life where I was drinking, and you could go to cookout and you can get everything very cheap, like, everything on the menu a la carte is extraordinarily cheap, and it's tasty. When I was out somewhere and I was a drinking man, that was, a, it was the best night of my life. was going to end at cookout. Now, i
8: Well, it's, it's funny because I was talking to good. the sports information director at UNCW, a guy named Joe Browning, who's been there yeah. 30 years. yeah. Is the I, I think he may be the best SID in the country. Okay, his game notes are bar none. You realize Gaffigan can hear you, right? I, like you I know he's tuned in. He, he knows. Runner. I've told him. I've told him. Joe Browning is the best SID in the country. Anyway, I said to him, I said, Joe, I keep hearing about these milkshakes at cookout, and he goes, All I know is we come home from a game late at night. And I get in my car, and I drive home, and I pass the the cookout. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, there's 30 cars lined up.
0: It's unreal. It's unreal, because they're all like me. They all had it. Or like me 10 years ago. And nothing better than having a,
8: a, a business like that Ten
0: feet from a campus. Um, That's the perfect place for it. Yes, that's exactly. Well, why do you think they put the chicken tender store over by Towson? Right. Why do you think that's where they put the old Raisin Cane's when they opened it up, Spiro? They knew exactly what they were doing. It's got to be walking distance from campus. That's the way that it goes. Uh, You got a big lacrosse game on Wednesday as well this week. Wednesday,
8: Loyola. Yep. And they're going to be angry, I guess, because they lost to Rutgers. Tigers going to be angry because they just lost to Richmond. Yep. Um lost to Saint Joe's last week was a really good game. Really good game. Tigers lost sixteen to thirteen. And their face off guy, Zach Cole, was just yeah. phenomenal. Phenomenal. Who would have thought fifteen years ago we'd be talking about Saint Joe's St. and Richmond right, Lacrosse? Correct. As uh, one's in the top 20 and the other is just outside the top 20.
0: That's um, but, that's the way the sport has grown, which, uh, you know, is, is for the sport a very good thing for those of us around here that like the world in which you know, <laughs> we you used just to dominate know, for forever right? and have all the local kids stay here. And that's the way that it would work. A little bit more disappointing. For
8: uh, although uh, Mikey Weissauer played for the first time on Friday. Okay. Um, Spalding kid who's yeah. phenomenal. yeah. He had suffered an injury in football. You and I, ball, both, just and I both got to see him play. Oh, yeah. yeah right? He was a man among boys. He was a monster. Man. Yeah. I actually so saw Sean. Uh, we're excited to see him.
0: Sean was out there watching one of those games that I did last year, and you could see a big old smile on his face. Right. right. I, said, I get it, man. I can understand. So we were
8: excited to see him play on Friday, and hopefully he's going to get himself back into very, shape here. And, very cool. Hopefully help against Loyola on Wednesday night. Come out to Johnny United Stadium, 6 o'clock. 6
0: o'clock. 6 o'clock game. I haven't
8: looked at the weather, but I'm sure it'll be beautiful. Uh, I
0: don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. God, we got really lucky with the first couple Saturdays of the season. So I don't know if you're still, like, you've been doing this. By the way, how many years now, Spiro? 32. 32. And do you know your total games at this point? No. Yeah. It's in the 16, seventeen. I have not done it as long as you have, right? But I'm at about a decade of doing Mm play-by-play now. And admittedly, I still get amped for certain things oh absolutely like, like there i can't pretend. like i've got loyal lafayette this saturday i will not be as excited for loyal lafayette as i was for the fact that our first two games this year were maryland and hopkins and there were five thousand plus people at both games right and it was an electric atmosphere and you could tell that like there was a national audience for those games and there's just something about that that gets you juiced and we got very lucky the weather was really nice for both of those saturdays it helped getting that huge crowd out and As a broadcaster, I I don't know that it makes me better, but I am just more, I don't know, the juices are flowing a little bit more in those circumstances.
8: The juices always flow, but you're right. There are some games where there's... uh overflowing juices. Yeah,
0: whatever. I don't know how to define that because you're right. right. It's not like I'm not going to care. Like, I assure you, I'll be plenty prepared. I mean, Thursday night
8: at Charleston, I mean, you know, you're getting yeah, ready and you're oh, excited about the game. The atmosphere. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the exactly. The building's
0: packed. It's loud. Right. It's it's it, it was great. No doubt. I And there's just something about that that I feel like when I feel Saturday it. Saturday
8: night at Wilmington, that place, the Trask Coliseum, they, they they almost sold out. It was close. Oh, wow. Um, Because it was the last home game of the year and, and they, they're they playing well.
0: Meanwhile, I did a game from a volleyball locker room this weekend, and I got to be honest with you, I didn't feel quite as much of right. the electricity <laughs> when I was sitting in a volleyball locker room. I was happy to be there, I appreciated them having me, but I just couldn't quite feel it the same way mm, sitting I, in the I volleyball you locker room. I know what you mean. All right, yeah, uh, Wednesday night for uh, Towson Loyola Lacrosse, and then Sunday night the SCA uh, tournament gets underway. 8.30. Against an opponent to be determined from uh, Correct. down Correct. Going to be uh, Delaware or uh, Elon, I think. All right, here is the list. Spiro, of course, we always have in. Are there any, like, what, what's on your docket for the summer? Is there a big show for you that you... Nothing would, right now. Are you going to go to Springsteen?
8: Uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw Springsteen. In 1981, maybe. The River Tour. Um, Went with my good college buddy, Bill Logan, who is now the uh, lead anchor at a Sarasota TV station. And we got free tickets. Okay. Okay. All you ever heard about was Springsteen and his three-hour and 45-minute shows and this and that. Right. I'm going to tell you, Glenn, I have never seen a band take more time in between songs doing nothing and i'm like no wonder they play for three hours and 45 minutes an hour and a half of it is standing around doing nothing anyway i like two bruce springsteen songs okay born to run and rosalita oh wow okay that's
0: the list that's the list (laughs) that's the list
8: he opened with born to run yeah rosalita was about the sixth song in about three or four songs later, and you know his car broke down again, and he yeah he has no money. You said and, I'm good, and his wife. I looked at Bill and I said, I'm, "You seen enough?" I'm he goes, good. "Yeah." Wow. And we left. Wow. So.
10: I I
0: am I'm not a fanboy of Bruce Springsteen in any way. He's okay, but and, but you know what? I even say I would even go. I would say I think his music is mostly good. I think it's mostly good music. I will not like. I've I also have been to actually now for whatever circumstances three Bruce Springsteen shows. I am not in a place where, like, my buddy just texted me, hey, man, uh, we got tickets. They're uh, $200 each. You want one? And I'm like, <laughs> eh, I think
10: I'm good. I think yeah, I'm all right.
0: Yeah, right. Like, I, think I took my kids to Disney World. I don't think I'm going to do the $200 Bruce Springsteen ticket. Right. I think I'm going to pass on that. And honestly, I love Billy Joel, but I've seen Billy Joel like eight times now, and I saw the ticket prices for him and Stevie Nicks. Now, that's, that's tough. I never got to see Fleetwood Mac. I probably would love to see Stevie Nicks. Like It would probably be cool. But in a stadium, like in a football stadium? I
8: saw Billy Joel with Elton John up in Philadelphia uh, 20 years ago. Okay. And I like Elton John more than Billy Joel. I do love some Elton John. But Billy Joel
0: was twice as good as Elton John that night. Really? Yes. Well, I I think I've always enjoyed seeing Billy Joel, but I'm not getting a different show at this point. Right. for Right. For the money... It's the same show that I've seen. Yeah. I've seen it. It's wonderful. I love it. And I trust me, if I end up going by some stretch of imagination, I'll sing along to every song. I'll have a great time. But it's just, I'm I'm out at this point on spending. Fleetwood
8: Mac I saw on the Tusk tour.
0: Oh, that's um, cool. At the Capitol Center. Oh, that's Center. cool.
8: And I was working at a record store at the time. And the Warner Brothers guys, guy gave me and another guy that worked there backstage passes. Damn. So... We go backstage, and there are two separate backstages. There's backstage for the Hoy polloi, yeah. and then there's backstage for the rest of us. Yeah. And the guy I was with was a huge autograph hound. And Fleetwood Mac had a guy named Bob Welsh in the band right before okay. uh, Lindsey Buckingham's and Stevie Nicks joined. And Bob Welsh had left to go do a solo career, and he had a couple top 20 hits. But anyway, my friend Mac sees Bob Welsh... And he's like, that's Bob Welsh. I'm going to get his autograph. So he walks up and he says to Bob Welsh, can I have your autograph? He says, yeah. He says, can you go in the other room and get me the rest of the band's autographs?
1: <laughs> How'd that go over? How'd that go over? Bob Welsh just looked you at see- him and says,
8: Mick Fleetwood's the only one that'll still talk to me.
0: Yeah, So well... <laughs> it's sort of foreshadowing, I guess, at that point, what is going to happen moving forward. Yeah, that's ballsy, by yeah, the way. That's a ballsy yeah, ass. Yeah. Could no, you I, never, get I don't know what ever happened to Mac. I haven't talked to him in 40 years, but mm, anyway. No, I hope he's all right. I hope so, too. I <laughs> hope, I hope so, go. too. Here's the list. So here's what we're going to do. We're, there we I'll, go. I'll throw out the list, and then we're going to debate them. Um what the, I, did we come up with a number that we said we we could put in last year? Like we had to cut it off at some point. You don't think this was an issue for because you were <laughs> you were happy to leave everybody out <laughs> every time. Spiro would say, "Ah, eh, they're fine. Not a rock and roll hall of famer." <laughs> Here's the list: Kate Bush, Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, Iron Maiden, Joy Division slash New Order, Cyndi Lauper, George Michael. Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, The Spinners, A Tribe Called Quest, The White Stripes. And I did not realize that they were, at this point, already eligible to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Warren Zevon. We'll get to that in a second. I, I have an opinion. I have a thought. Okay. I'm sure you do. That's the list for induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was trying to do math. Do we know how many typically get in per year? I, I, it's probably four or five. I feel like it was – hang on a second. We can we can do this. 2022 – The NFL and, six, right? Uh, so the rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame. Except they have like awesome. eight committees to make sure they get right, more guys into yeah. the Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees from last year. The group was uh, – of course we know uh, Dolly Parton headlined it. Last year it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven last year. Uh, Pat Benatar, Duran Duran, Eminem, Eurythmics, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, and Carly Simon was last year's class. So seven got in last year. So we're going to share our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Do we also want to make a prediction as to who's going to get in? Sure. Okay. All right. We'll go that route.
8: Now, before we start. Yes. What... What do you think the criteria for being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should be? It's
0: a great, or any Hall of Fame. It's, it's a great point, right? I remember us having this debate last year because it's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame, we've always had like some certain hallowed numbers. If you get to this number, until you're in, Scott Rowland got in. Oh boy, you are down on Scott Rowland. I'm not you are, down on him. He's just not a Hall of Famer. You're, I I think his defense was so good oh. that I am fine with Scott Rowland getting into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I thought he was a mesmerizing defensive player. And mesmerizing, yes, I do. And by the way, I'm not okay if you're a zero as a hitter. I'm not just saying you can get in it only as a defensive player. Omar Vizquel is, is this argument right now, right? And people forget that Omar Vizquel actually could hit a little bit. Um, you, know, you associate him with being defense only. Scott Rowland was a solid hitter who was a damn good defensive player. To me, that's enough that I'm fine with Scott Rowland being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. There are embarrassing names to me that can get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Look, I, we'll never the Harold Baines thing will never go away. That can't be the standard for the Hall of Fame. It's embarrassing that Harold Baines gets in. I think it's more embarrassing the idea of frankly David Ortiz. He only did one thing. He didn't he was a zero and, as and, a defensive and player.
8: Why is it that David Ortiz, yes, who was can, a known can, cheater, can use
10: steroids
0: and get in on the first correct. ballot and, and the, the, the guys rest- that were drastically better baseball players than David Ortiz Do you was, know who
8: belongs in the Hall of Fame and if you look at his numbers, it's it's over a seven or eight year period was as good as anybody in the history of baseball Mattingly? Albert Bell
1: well okay, so Albert Bell's stretch.
8: why isn't Albert Bell in the Hall of Fame
10: see i
1: okay, I'll tell
8: you why because he was because he wasn't and because, and nice to the right, media because
0: he was a jackass and, and look he also used a cork bat and that gave, ah. that gave and that gave everyone their excuse that they needed in order to, and yes David Ortiz is in because. He was lovable, big poppy, and that's the reason why he gets to go into the Hall of Fame, and the guys that were drastically better baseball players than him don't get to go in. Correct. I don't know what the parallel is. I think I said this to you last year. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's the greatest like feel argument for me of anything. I don't know that there's a certain number of hits, because how do you measure something not being a hit, But being a great song, right? that's the difficult part of having the conversation about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, anyway, what I wanted to
8: bring up was. Yes. Do you think this criteria would give you consideration for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Okay. For two years straight, you had the largest tours in the world. Okay. Okay. Over a seven-year period, you had two number one albums five number five albums, and seven number ten albums.
0: It would be a strong argument. It would be a very strong argument. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who and it is that you're referring to. I don't about.
8: know that they've ever even been nominated.
1: Two
0: years, had the biggest tour in the world. Correct. The Boy, I'm going to embarrass myself with some of these guesses. Who would not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that could have had the biggest tour in the world?
1: The Bee Gees? They no. They're in the they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: Who could I This is a conundrum. But again, over a
8: 7-year period
0: over a 7-year period, 7 top
8: 10 albums, 5 of which went to the top 5 and two were number ones and never had a top 30 single.
0: Never Never had a top 30 single. Well, maybe
8: top 20. We'll say top One single may
0: have gotten in the top 30. I assume the Grateful Dead is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but that's the type of thing that comes to mind. mind. Right. All right, who is it? Jethro Tull. Interesting. Jethro Tull's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, and I don't even think they've ever been nominated. Now, that's kind of remarkable to me. I did not realize that. I that kind of blows my mind. I did not realize.
8: 1973 and 1974, they were the biggest touring act in the world.
0: Wow. I am. Is it because everybody's still angry that they stole the Grammy away from Metallica that one year? Uh, is
8: that what this is about? No, I think it's that Jan Wenner just didn't like them.
0: Oh. And so constantly trashed him in Rolling Stone. and You know.
8: And, and people like my wife, the flute doesn't belong in yeah, rock and right, roll. Right. Okay.
0: Uh I can uh, now hang on a second is this so I remember one uh, i i don't know where 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 would this have been Ian Anderson played like a solo show at mm-hmm. the lyric or somewhere like sure. that I don't, yeah, he I could does be that oh eight oh nine somewhere in that range, and I remember them giving us tickets to give away, and the demand like we could have been giving away season tickets to the Ravens and we wouldn't have had as much interaction. On giving away Ian Anderson ticket, I was—I've right. never seen anything like it. I was completely unprepared. I was like, "Well, we can do it as a throwaway at some point, the end of the show or something like that." Like the, the the phone kept ringing for an hour straight with people asking if we still had the Ian Anderson tickets to give away. i it was unbelievable. Yep. So I did not, again, probably an age situation. I did not fully comprehend the significance of the the moment for Jethro Tull.
8: But again, so what is the criteria? That's, that's my question. What is I, the criteria? I, I
0: can't come up. I, I think I don't. I mean, honestly,
8: there's a band on this list.
0: Yes. How they ever were
8: even nominated, I have no idea.
0: Well, let, now I'm worried about who so, that is. Now I'm worried about start. who that is on your list. I think you know from last year, I am more inclined to say yes. Yes. I am more inclined to say that smells like a rock and roll Hall of Famer. To me.
8: I will say if you have to debate it, they're not and, a Hall and of that's
0: Famer. The, I know a lot of people make that argument. Let's start with Kate Bush. Okay. who I am terrified is going to get in this year because of the show last year. I am terrified that because of all the hype surrounding Stranger Things last year and the song skyrocketing back into the top ten of the charts, there is going to be a push to get Kate Bush in, where as good as I think that song is, and don't get me wrong, I think it's a wonderful song, I don't think Kate Bush is a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. I agree. Look at that. Look at that. Griffin, you know one song you couldn't possibly really name cool. another Kate it's Bush really song. a really cool song though. Yes, because you like stranger things. That's all you've got. A year ago you had no idea who Kate Bush was. That's you true. don't know That's anything true. about yes. her. That is true. All you know is you like the song and it fit the scene really well and so because of that you're uh, worked up about Kate Bush. Well, we can move on then. We both we both we got to keep track of I'll you know what? I'll do it. Kate okay. Bush gets a no from both of us. Sheryl Crow is next on the list. I'm going to allow you to start this one. I think you're going to say no. First off,
8: like my wife, she spells her name s h e r y l so which this, is that gives semi unusual you... huh because most people spell it with a c mm-hmm. My wife loves Cheryl crow loves her. I think Cheryl Crow is a very nice singer. I think she makes some very nice songs. I
0: do not believe she is a rock and roll hall of famer <sighs> All right, by the way, I was reminded, apparently last week, we had three separate... Or last year, we did three separate categories. Strong okay. feelings, mild feelings, or no, they shouldn't get in. Okay. So we got to remember that. All um, right. Spiro, Glenn. So we got to put that... You are no on both. Uh, I am no
8: on both. No on both.
0: I... Uh, uh, I am going to give you mild for Cheryl Crow. I would not be offended by Cheryl Crow in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think her stretch... In the mid to late 90s of just really sing along. A change will do you good. I think she had a stretch. Now, she tried to sell out and get some pop hits after a little while, and the music wasn't quite as good to me, but she had bigger hits. Her song with it. Kid Rock was really
8: good.
2: I
0: hate admitting that that's true, but it is. It is true. It is. It's That was a good song. I I liked... Cheryl Crow I happen to also be the one, one time in my life I went to a Letterman taping it was a night that Cheryl Crow was really? on the show and that was great I, I really enjoyed that and it was a lifelong thing for me to want to go to a Letterman taping so I always associate like it's a, it's a positive feeling that I have in my life despite the fact that I was never like an, an obsessed Cheryl Crow fan but I think if we pulled it up and looked at that list that we would feel I'm going to guess eight songs really strongly legitimate mega hits for Cheryl Crow and I think that's enough of an argument to me that if she gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'll tip my cap and say. I put
8: her in the same category as Pat Benatar, very nice. You know, nice career. You know how I felt some about the nice Pat songs. Ben- I love but Pat Benatar. Not Hall of Fame.
0: <sighs> I understand. All right, Cheryl Crow. All I want to do, jam, absolute jam. Soak up the sun was a poppy song, but I get it. It was a hit. My favorite mistake I like. The first cut is the deepest was a little bit more of a ballad. I liked it. Every day is a winding road was a jam. Yeah, I'm in on Cheryl Crow, but I'm still going to say mild. I'm going to okay. say mild for Cheryl Crow. I'm in. I think there's a strong argument for her. Next on the list, Missy Elliott is up next. I'll let you start. I'm guessing you're gonna say no as well. <laughs> no. 0 oh for three.
8: Really? Oh Missy Elliott. This is what we're doing here.
0: I don't think you understand the impact that Missy Elliott had. I d- I don't think you you're understand right, I don't. how impactful Missy no, Elliott was. No, I
8: don't. Was. I have no idea how impactful Missy Elliott was.
0: I am a I know em- she didn't impact my I audience. understand that. I under I am an emphatic yes on Missy Elliott. I think uh, Missy Elliott is the definition of a, a trailblazing artist. Um it's not like she was the first female rapper that existed by any stretch of the imagination, but she raised the level of consistent of mixing up music, of throwing out different she was awesome. I mean, just flatly awesome. Now she also kind of disappeared off the planet for about a stretch of 10 years there, which was really weird. She just went away. Like it wasn't just that she wasn't popular Where'd she anymore. Go? I don't know that we ever found that out. Like she just kinda until the the Super Bowl halftime show that Katy Perry did, where Missy Elliott showed up again and everybody was like, what the hell? Where did that come from? She had just sort of... I guess I missed that, too. You missed that as well, yes. I'm telling you, Missy Elliott was a trailblazer, was a game-changer within the hip-hop community. I am an emphatic yes on Missy Elliott. Iron Maiden is up next. What is your Iron Maiden
8: argument? What is my Iron Maiden argument? My Iron Maiden
0: argument is... Was this the one that you couldn't believe was on the list? No. Oh, boy.
10: Then we are going to end up getting into a fight. (laughs) I, I,
0: well, I don't know. Maybe Just maybe that's another true. one of the
8: cookie cutter heavy metal
0: nineteen eighties bands. You know, Judas Priest got in, I guess, right? Yes, they did. Rob ha- Halford, however, is considered like an iconic yeah. figure within rock and roll music, so that doesn't but surprise I, me. All that, you
8: much. know, Iron Maiden. No. I, I have no thoughts about them. So to me, that means no; they're not in the Hall of Fame. That's boy, you are tough. It is you are tough. Very, very. Well, this difficult. year's list is worse than last year's list.
0: Oh my! Um, I believe it was uh, John and Little Rock who told me earlier that I think he was going to start a fight if Iron Maiden didn't get in to the Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame. Um, I, I am fine uh, here. If if John and Little Rock, if Iron Maiden isn't enshrined, I will just have to boycott the place. Funny thing is, the band gives no f's about the place. <laughs> I think Iron Maiden has had a significant impact on on metal or whatever you want to call that type of rock music and because of that i'm going to tell you it's mild for me i'm mild on iron maiden i i don't feel strongly that they have to get in i don't think they changed music in any sort of way or made that type of impact but i think they're between their staying power and like everyone knows an iron like griffin probably knows an iron maiden song like i think their impact is real And so because of that, I would be absolutely fine with Iron Maiden getting in. I'm going to go with Mild for that one. Let's do one more, then we've got to grab a break here. All right. Joy Division slash New Order is next on the list.
8: If you walked up to 5,000 people in New York City randomly, they couldn't—4,997 of them, first of all, would have never heard of Joy Division— the other three might have said, "Oh yeah, I think I've heard of them." How
0: is this band on the list? I, all right, I'm okay with this being the answer. Then, I, I, if it had been one later on the list, we might then, have ended up getting.
8: How good- is this band on the? Okay, they come out of that punk new wave period. All right, the dude killed himself. I'm sorry about mm-hmm. that. I wish he hadn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But they they, they they were no different than Ultravox or the rest of those bands, and none of them were being up for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: Well the Pesh Mode got in, right, obviously. Yeah, but the like, Pesh Mode's had a long I, career. I agree with that. Um Blue Monday is a very significant song. Blue Monday stands out as being an impactful song. So's
8: My Sharona, but the Mac's not getting <laughs> in.
0: I like I think I like Blue Monday more than I like My Sharona. <laughs> um that would be the only argument that I would have is that the impact. I of the, and got that's, no argument, and, that's, I, and so I'm I'm with you. I am a no on new order and Joy no, Division. Tar- I have no argument for that either. Tar- and by the way, I think that
8: this is this is the let's show how cool we are. Let's put Joy Division in the rock. And you know was really on. funny. Though, like this, this is
0: the, the Patty Smith of this year. Their fans are obsessed fans. Like the people that care. About New Order, really care about New right. Order. I'm and a more am, obsessed
8: squeeze fan, but yes, they don't belong
0: in the I, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I am. I we are in agreement about this. All right, Spiro Maricus is here in studio with us this morning. We're going over. You know, we can just do. Let's just plow through the list. and We'll take our break at the end of the hour. That's what we'll do. We'll just plow through the list here because All right. Spiro can only stay till twelve today anyway. Let's keep going. Spiro is going over nominees to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don't forget pressboxonline.com/slash/offers if you haven't signed up for. Uh, I don't know if you can bet on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't think that's available there, but let's <laughs> go find out. If you haven't signed up for everywhere, plenty of great offers. You're leaving free money on the table because these offers won't be available forever. In this first year of mobile sports betting in Maryland, these companies are offering you free bets. They're offering you that type of stuff, but they'll pack up and move on somewhere else at some point. So go sign up right now at pressboxonline.com slash offers. Next on the list, Cindy Lauper. I will consider her. Oh, you are giving my. This is the first you went five for five no's. This is the first mile. I will consider
8: getting. her because when MTV first started. Very significant, no question. She was extremely significant to the popularity of MTV. Um, that's why I would consider her. You know, if I was if voting, I would not vote for her, think but
0: her I would actual, her actual, you know, work, her actual discography. Would hold up to being worthy of the Rock and Roll Hall of
8: Fame? She, I, I don't think she had longevity. Okay. You and know? I can't argue with that. I mean, She's rein- like she did her Broadway, first couple albums. Did... Her first couple albums were really big, mm-hmm. but then she kind of disappeared.
0: So I would say that Cyndi Lauper has four really, really significant songs. I mean, like, not just. Obviously, Girls Just Want to Have Fun is, is-
8: And that video was humongous.
0: Iconic. Absolutely humongous. Um, True Colors is a significant song. Right. Time After Time is a very significant song. It, it's, not, it's not for me, but I think Shebop is a significant song, right? Like, I think that Cyndi Lauper had- If I put Cheryl Crow on because she had some hits, I think Cyndi Lauper's four biggest songs are bigger than any of Cheryl Crow's hits. Correct, yeah. Hits. yeah. And that alone, again, would be enough for me to say I'd be good with her getting in. You bring up that the argument about MTV is very significant. Hell, she crossed over to the uh, the, the WWF, like she was right. significant. It was a Lou Captain Lou Alba, or yeah, whatever his name was. Absolutely, she was a a mega star. Should that make her a a rock and roll hall of famer versus being like a pop culture hall of famer? I, I don't know. I wouldn't make a strong argument for Cindy Lauper, but I too have a mild case to be made. I would put her for Cindy Lauper as being worthy of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's
8: the now first. the other thing I, that I remember her for. VH1 used to run these shows, you know, lists of. Oh, I like, watched every single top two hundred, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, they had like the top one hundred uh, most disgusting or something moments in the history of rock. And Cindy Lauper was number one Four. because a bird pooped into her mouth Uh-oh. at a concert while oh, she was I, singing.
0: How did I not remember that? I could have gone without it today, Spiro. <laughs> I'm being totally honest with you. Speaking of birds pooping a ma- mouth, I don't have a good way to follow this up. I was hoping this is fine. Follow- Speaking of birds pooping a mouth, next up on the list, Joy Division. No, um, next up on the list is uh, George Michael is next on the list. Now, this is interesting to me. Like, Does this only mean that you consider his solo career, are you eliminating Wham when you're looking at George Michael as a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer? Oh, it's part of his legacy. So, I don't, I don't know they, how they do this. I don't do think, think that Andrew Ridgely is on this. No, but
1: they've had artists who got
0: in both with a group and again. Like who's Paul, in there three times? There's somebody in there three is times. Is it Paul McCartney? No. Right? Wings, did, Wings is not in. Wings, Wings is, not is not in. in. So who's in three times then? One of the Traveling Wilburys, maybe? Nope. Who is it? Eric Clapton. Oh, Derek and Dominoes. No, cream, cream, Yardbirds, Yardbirds, and, and Eric solo. Clapton solo. Okay, that makes sense. So I don't know how they handle this, but George Michael is next on the list, and so this is an interesting. It's an interesting debate to me if it includes Wham versus if it's just looking at his solo career. I say he's a yes. And are you? You're looking at everything in that when you say that.
8: Um, no, I think just his solo career. He's okay, a yes.
0: I can. I'll listen to that argument, right? Because I'm not gonna lie, I will still jam out to Freedom. I'll still jam out to Father. Again, figure. this
8: guy was. I'm not gonna say he was not as big as Michael Jackson, obviously, but he was iconic. He's Under, in the conversation. He was an iconic. He's figure. in the conversation.
0: I'll listen to that argument. He was an iconic music figure.
8: Right, and I think a lot of people spun off and tried to do what George Michael right. did.
0: Um,
8: I, I don't know if you have to consider the wham part of it That's, or not.
0: See, if I'm considering the wham part of it, this is a slam dunk for me, right? Like if if you're looking at the totality of it, it is. There's no debate. I mean, you can make fun of "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go" all you want. It's a. It's one of the greatest sing along songs that has ever <laughs> right, existed. Right. Um, and, look, I mean, Careless Whisper, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, there's no debate at all to me if it's the totality of the George Michael picture. It's strong. If it was just George Michael solo, I'd probably still say mild at that point. I don't know that I feel strongly about it, but not knowing how that works, I will join you on strong because the tot- the totality of it is almost overwhelming to, yeah, the, to me. Yeah, was, he was... He was huge, my God! And again, just jams from George Michael during his career. Willie Nelson is the next name on the list. If if he well, qualifies, see, I don't know how there's a debate. We'll see. This is the Dolly Parton thing from a year ago,
8: right? If you put her in, I guess you got to put him in. I, if if I I don't think, you know, uh, Willie Nelson's career is is kind of odd because. Nobody knew who he was until Always On My Mind hit in, Mm -hmm. like, the early 80s. -hmm. But the guy had been writing songs for 20 years before that. Um, You know, there's a famous story. I can't remember which song it is, but he was, like, destitute. He had no money. He had nothing. I don't know that I knew that. And he wrote, like, three top ten hits in the span of a week. But
0: I'm,
8: I'm... I'm confused here, Glenn.
10: I,
0: this, I, this is, I don't know what to do. This goes back to that. We had this conversation about Dolly Parton a Correct. year ago. And to me, it's a simple... If, if they're qualified for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, then there's no debate about it. Now, I can make a stronger argument for Dolly Parton's impact on music as a whole than I can make for Willie Nelson, right? Like, I think Willie Nelson impacted country-slash-folk music and a little bit rock and roll. Dolly Parton impacted pop music. She impacted... And she was an icon in those ways. Willie Nelson is an iconic musician, or an iconic songwriter, I guess is the better way of saying it. Um, and you know, I, he
8: started Farm Aid.
0: That's got to be. That's got to be. In, I mean,
8: again, that's had a lasting effect on on a lot of things, and uh, it's part of his his legacy.
0: Yeah, I went and saw they did um, some tour at Meriwether last summer, I guess it was, and it was Nathaniel Rateliff, who's amazing and Tyler Childers, and it was headlined by Willie, and I was told ahead of time, like, don't don't confuse yourself. Like, he's going to sit up there, and his son's going to sing some songs, and he'll strum along, but you're not going to get anything. That wasn't what happened. Willie sang. <laughs> like, Willie sang, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys, and I had a time of my life. Like, I was so happy to see it and to be able to experience it, and he didn't sound particularly good, but did Willie well, ever, ever you know, sound he's, he's, like... He's almost yeah. ninety years you know, old. I he might already be. It 90. might be
8: ninety years old.
0: I to me, it's a if Willie Nelson is is meets the criteria if he's eligible. Willie Nelson, I have it's a strong yes for me.
8: Willie Nelson, you mentioned Merriweather. Uh If I can, sure, divert off for a second. By all means, the wife and I went to Meriwether last summer to see Tears for Fears. Okay, I had not been to Meriwether. I think since. I believe Mike Tyson was fighting the night the last time when I went to Maryland. Tears didn't play
0: with, with Hall and Oates, did they? Didn't you go to that. Who? It wasn't with Hall and Oates, was it? Who played with Hall and Squeeze Oates? Played Hall Squeeze played with Hall and Oates. Squeeze played
8: with Hall. Thank you. Garbage played with Tears for Fears. Oh, that's cool. I had not been there in thirty years. I don't think they've done a great job of un- that place. It's unbelievable. It it's was un- great. That place used to be. If you wanted to go to the bathroom, yep. you might as well figure you're going to yep. miss half it the concert. Yep. No, you want to go a get a beer, you're going to miss a third of the concert. They've done an unbelievable job. They've done a job. great job with that place.
0: Um, so what is your your definitive answer on Willie Nelson? Are you going to say strong or are you going to leave it at mild? I,
8: because of Dolly Parton, I guess i got to vote him in.
0: All right. Strong feelings for Willie Nelson. That means two back-to-back strongs from Spiro. And yep. I didn't know that we were going to get the five. I think there's a chance now. Although, as I say that, I think I remember you. Are, you you were you were very anti. The next on the list is Rage Against the Machine. If I remember correctly, you were a definitive no.
8: I have a, I am of the belief that if you don't get in the first time, then you shouldn't get in.
0: <laughs> you didn't want him to get in the first time, though. You right, I didn't want him to though. get
8: in the first time, so they should be off the list. Uh, that's the other thing. How did Scott Rowland all of a sudden become a Hall of Famer? How long was he on the
0: list? I, that, that, We've, you know, what I don't give Drew a lot of credit, but I remember he was the first to sell this to me. Put a, d- stop with limits. Put everybody on the list. Yes or no. If they don't get in, that's it. That's right? great. And like I'm. I'm not opposed to that at all. Well, I don't understand how a guy
1: so can ten percent of the vote it, to all of a sudden. So, Rage it.
8: Against the Machine are they going to be on there every year until they make it? Might be,
1: might very well be the case. Until we've
8: run out of people and the only ones left are Rage with the, Against the Machine.
1: Rage Against the Machine. You are you going? I'm telling you, you are Rage. can't find
8: against five people in the city of Baltimore dis, that can name I a Rage Against the Machine song.
0: I strongly disagree with that. I think you are vastly underestimating how significant Killing in the Name of was. I think you're vastly underestimating how significant Bull's on parade was. I think they I told th- I told you this a year ago. I think they met a moment um in in a way that few bands of that era did. I think they met the moment and look, whatever you want to say about them now, selling cuz I went and saw them in DC last year and you know, rage against the machine selling $200 concert tickets is quite rich, right? Like I you can say a lot of things about their statement, but musically They absolutely met an anti-corporate. Wait, they
8: charged $200 a ticket?
0: Oh, they played at the arena, and they played two nights. Are you kidding me? This guy, Mr.
8: Tom, what's his name, is charging people $200 a ticket?
0: That was quite rich. What kind of of a capitalist is he? A lot of people had some feelings about that, Spiro. There was a lot of that. But as far as the music is concerned, I I feel quite strong about Rage Against the Machine. That's the second one, Missy Elliott. So it's interesting the two modern names. Are ones that you and I have been diametrically okay. on the opposite side of. Soundgarden, speaking of modern names, is next on the list.
8: The wife was trying to convince me this morning that that the they should be in. Um I you're
0: I'll say mild.
1: Okay. All right. I'll accept yeah, They that.
0: they were huge in the grunge era. They were massive in the grunge era. Here's why I would most accept it. The truth is, outside of like Black Hole Sun, I don't know what Soundgarden songs hold up to the point that someone like Griffin would know. But I'm betting that if I said the name Chris Cornell, Griffin would be familiar with it. Chris Cornell, to me, stood out beyond the actual accomplishments of Soundgarden. As you saw, when Chris Cornell would be the guy that like you would call upon... When someone else would die, when, when, when Sinead O'Connor died, we asked Chris Cornell to sing one of her songs. She did die. Who am I thinking of then? I don't know. Who am I thinking of who died? Who am Sinead's I? Sinead's not dead yet. Who am I thinking of? Somebody. Oh, uh, the uh, Dolores O'Reardon. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. I did, the wrong the Cranberries o, Lady. The long. I, well, I had an O. That's what I got confused okay. on. Dolores O'Reardon. Like when that would happen, you would call upon Chris Cornell before he passed to sing their song. Because so his, who'd they
8: call when he died?
0: I don't remember if I'm being honest with you. I don't know that there is a rock voice that has mattered past Chris Cornell's death. Like voice alone, I don't know. That there's a rock voice that has mattered since Chris Cornell has passed away. He had a def. I guess Eddie Vedder's voice still matters, but it's not traditionally beautiful. It's grungy, you know, Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder. And I, look, I love Pearl Jam. I make that abundantly clear. Yeah,
8: uh, and what's his name? The drummer played in both of them, Soundgarden uh, yes, and Pearl correct. Jam. Yes, uh, correct. Matt Cameron. Yeah, right? is that his name?
0: That's it. Um. My feelings... Guy looks
8: like Joe Buck.
0: Yeah! Oh, God, now i got to pull that up and take a look again. So my feelings are, if you, can, if you put Chris Cornell on this list, it would be, a, to me, a slam dunk strong. Because now you're including Temple of the Dog. Now you're including everything that he did with his voice. Soundgarden alone, I'm actually going to say mild. Well, then We're both mild. I'm going to say mild. We're both I mild. loved Soundgarden. But I don't know that they stood out in a way that was so overwhelmingly significant. If it was, And if the argument is, I have to feel strongly about Soundgarden because it's how Chris Cornell gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, then I'm listening to that. Because Chris Cornell, I feel incredibly strong about, whereas Soundgarden specifically, I'm only mild towards. Ne- right. Next on the list, The Spinners. Yes. Tell me about The Spinners.
8: Every song they've ever put out, I loved.
0: I don't know how the spinners I think
8: the spinners are one of these groups that you hear their songs and it makes you
0: happy. I completely agree with you. Here is what I would say. Why are they not in the rock and roll hall of fame? Yeah. Like that's that would be my like what what, what am I They're missing it one of my here. ten
8: favorite songs of all time. What? Games people play. Okay. Love that song. I don't even Absolutely know that I, I don't know that I even know love that, that song.
0: song. um I not really really what what the argument is on the the spinners. think think the spinners are. D- the definition of, of a game changer, of significant, I am with you. I feel strong about the spinners. Next on the list, we had this debate a year ago, A Tribe Called Quest. We're running out of time, aren't we? Yeah, we're getting late. It's 11.50. Yeah. I say no. I know you say no. I, I told you that. I don't think you know, again, how impactful they were in the hip-hop. Like I, I am a very strong, emphatic yes on A Tribe Called Quest. The White Stripes.
8: <laughs> what what did they do? Oh. They, they, oh, they, 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 they,
1: oh. He's
0: okay.
8: I mean did we ever figure out is that woman his wife or his sister? They, I believe
0: she was his wife briefly. I
8: believe they were married. Well, didn't they point.
0: say he yes, was, she correct. was his sister? That was a thing. That happened. Oh, what
8: are you doing that for?
0: I don't know. What does it matter?
1: Well, How does it
0: change? What kind of people it are we change putting the greatness in? of Ball and Biscuit or Hotel Yorba? I don't think you are giving the white stripes enough. Credit.
8: I think they should be kept out just for that stupid song.
4: That
0: no, everybody
8: sings Army at songs? M&T but, Bank Stadium. It's the a, Seven Army it's March or it's whatever it's called. It's a great
1: song.
0: Uh, it's a great song. You're just sick of it. That's the difference. They should be kept out just because of that. It's, look, th- there, we could have an argument about the White Stripes because the argument would be they only put out like four records. Like, that would be the argument that you would have about the White Stripes. And I would listen to that argument. I feel very strongly about the White Stripes because I think every record they put out was incredible was genre-bending, was perfect blues rock, was, now, as a band, Meg White was not a great drummer. Like, we all knew that there's a reason why Jack White has found success with everything that he's done, despite being a weirdo, and Meg White has never been heard from again, right? Like, we understand the difference between these two people. Because I'm an old fart, I
8: like the fact that Jack White tried very hard to bring back vinyl.
0: He did. And and and,
8: and, and was semi-successful in doing it.
0: I am in a, I'm such a weird place with this. I'm ultimately going to end up saying strong. I'm going to, uh, but I'm of the group. It's more just because of the quality of the music to me. I think their actual catalog, the argument stacking up, was not deep enough to compare with others. To me, it's just simply about the quality. If you can listen to Ball and Biscuit and not say like, Dude, I just experienced something. Like that, I just felt something in that moment. Hotel Yorba is a ten and a half. I, there's just too many great, great, great white stripe songs for me to not feel Seven Army, anymore.
8: what's that song called? Seven Nation Army is the yeah. song. You hate it. You I know understand. the feeling I get when I get here. You want to nause
0: I get it. I'm telling you, the song itself is actually very good. I own you're the album. You're just sick of I the know, uh, I know. Uh, I You're know. just sick of that. I own the I album. I know. Finally, Warren Zevon. This is tough. He put
8: out one of the best albums ever.
0: Uh, the last one? No. Or, okay. Because I thought the last one was really incredible.
8: The one with the uh, Werewolves of London. Yeah, sure.
0: Uh, I, how I Not cannot it, remember. Right. I've listened to the album
8: nine million times, which also has one of my all-time favorite songs on it, Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which is just a phenomenal song. I don't know. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's just not. Put me down for
0: mild. Mild is where I am as well. I'm in a weird place with Warren Zevon because there's an emotional part of me this maybe speaks to me as a, a Letterman fan, right? Like, the connection that, Dave, oh, yeah, that Letterman was had very, with Warren Zevon yeah. was—it's part of the reason why I adore Darlene Love, admittedly. Like, I i drove up to see Darlene Love in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania a couple Christmases ago. Really? And it, part of it is because I was such an obsessed Letterman fan, and I fell in love with Darlene Love because of it. There's a part of me that's very emotional about Warren Zevon. Like, I think about him when he was dying. I think about— Dude, what he went on Letterman when he was dying. And and you listen to "Keep Me in Your Heart" and you're like, my God, where this man went at the end of his career, it almost all ties in together so perfectly. And I, I think he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think he should. But can I again? Can I stack it up and tell you definitively that he's? I I didn't live that era. I know where was. Like, I I love "Poor Poor Middle for Me." Like I hear that song. And I feel something. I don't know. I don't know definitively that Warren Zevon is definitely a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'll leave you this,
8: because my wife just texted me the official fan vote leaderboard. Ah, yes. yes.
10: Right now- hang on
0: a second. I'm going to guess. Ooh, who would I guess would be at the top? I'm going to guess. Oh, I don't even know who would be at the top of this list. Uh, I'll say George Michael. You are correct. Yeah.
8: Cindy Lauper, a close
0: second, just yeah, a couple pop, thousand
8: votes pop behind. Pop music superstars. Warren Zevon, third. Soundgarden, fourth. Iron Maiden, fifth. And Willie Nelson, Joy Division, Kate Bush, Sheryl Crow, Rage Against the Machine, The Spinners, The White Stripes, Missy Elliott, and rounding out the bottom as they should be, A Tribe Called <laughs> Quest.
0: <laughs> you hate A Tribe
8: Called
1: Quest. <laughs> you hate them. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know them. anything about them. They just shouldn't
0: don't be don't know on the list.
1: About
0: them. So you Spiro feels strong about the spinners, George Michael, Willie Nelson, end of list. Mild <laughs> about Cyndi Lauper, Soundgarden, and Warren Zevon. No one, everyone else. <laughs> I feel strongly about. George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, Missy Elliott, The Spinners, The White Stripes, and A Tribe Called quit. I got too many. You know what? I got too many. I only said no on two. <laughs> They're going to need two nights yeah. to but get your people in. entire Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in. Uh, Wednesday night, Towson Loyal. Six o'clock. Cross, six o'clock.
8: Towsontigers.com, me and the great Glenn
0: Smith. And then on Sunday night, 830 in the SCAA tournament from down in D.C. On Twitter, you're barely on there, but you're at Spiro Towson PBP, correct?
8: I got to look sure, it up, huh? Yeah,
0: you don't even know. We'll go with that. <laughs> Follow at Spiro Towson PBP on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, that, that's it. That's him. I promise it is. Uh, love you, brother. It's great to see you. Thank great you to coming see in you. This. We'll do it again soon. A lot soon. of fun. All right, pal. Thank you. When we come back in, uh, the amazing story of Adam Lowen, former Orioles high-level prospect who is coming back for a third time to play for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. It's been an amazing story. We're going to talk
1: about it next. Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring entry-level officers, started over sixty thousand dollars, and over sixty-four thousand dollars for lateral officers, with ten thousand dollars signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over thirty-two thousand. Great benefits are available, like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, fifteen sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than twenty specialized units, and more. With further incentives for military service members and veterans, a passion for service, a career for life with the baltimore county police department find out more join joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542 must be a united states citizen have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or ged equivalent
6: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com
0: there's something for everyone this february at laurel park come watch live horse racing
1: every friday through sunday and join us on saturday february 18th for the winter steak spectacular featuring six stakes races and nine hundred thousand dollars in purses
0: including the general george and barbara fritchie steaks the fun doesn't stop there stick around for our winter mardi gras celebration with live music delicious food and drinks and a carnival atmosphere plus don't miss out on president's day holiday racing on monday february 20th Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more.
1: See you at the track.
0: That first sip.
7: That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night.
6: 100 North Point Boulevard. Check out
9: pressboxonline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if
0: you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. So I, I, I know that a couple of you want to fight us. I understand. John from Little Rock's very mad. Uh, Paul from Ovilando is trying to, to tell me why it is. That I, I This is what I said. I believe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the most feel Hall of Fame that exists that it's very difficult to define it. I feel something about where someone met with the movement. And I struggle with Soundgarden, right, because I know the significance of Soundgarden. I also know that in their career, they had three songs in the top five of the rock charts. No charting songs on the pop chart. No charting songs overall. Three rock songs that charted in the top five. I, how do I judge that? It's very difficult. It's extraordinarily difficult. I think it's far more difficult than even a sports Hall of Fame is to figure out who belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But we'll get that up, uh, our our votes, and thank you to Spira Maricus for joining us in the studio. We had some fun with that. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Joining us now, um, this man's story is incredible. And, of course, we remember him some moons ago here in Baltimore. But then his path took him to Toronto and becoming a hitter and then back to pitching. And now, um, after some experiencing some per- personal tragedy, it's going to take him to the World Baseball Classic. It is a pleasure to welcome back to the program former Oriole and very good guy, Adam Lowen, who is with us now here on GCR. Adam, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us.
11: Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. It's, it's, good it's a to pleasure. It's, it's
0: been a while. Yeah, it's been a really long – I was doing the math here. I'm like, I don't think we've talked since you were in Toronto. Like, it has been a long time, man, but it's good to catch up with you. Um, I know you've, you've been through a lot these last couple of years. Can, can you kind of talk me through – at this place in your life, why it is that you decided, I, I want to do this again. I want to lace them up. I want to compete. I want to be out there against the best in the world one more time.
11: I think a lot ha- has to do with my history with Team Canada. Um, i played with them in two World Baseball Classics, the senior team, the junior national team when I was 18. Um, so I've been a part of the program. Uh, through two different decades, or through three different decades, and um, you know, it's it's always an honor to put on, you know, can across your chest, play for your own country, and and play with the guys that you, you know, you know so well. Like it's a small kind of family on our team, so um, it's kind of like a reunion coming back and and seeing everybody and and lacing it up for one more time is is going to be like. You know, that's the the icing on the cake for me.
0: Uh, I, look, I, I think there are people that have opinions about the World Baseball Classic and say, ah, it's just an exhibition tournament. But I remember back in '06 when you guys beat the United States and you started that game, and I I, I didn't think it, we understood how much it meant in Canada that that had. Can you kind of define what it's meant to your country? the World Baseball Classic, and, and that moment, everything you've done in baseball, how much that one maybe stands out for you?
11: I think they ended up calling it like the miracle on grass. Like <laughs> that's how big of a deal it was for us. We, we were the – I think it's good for the the countries that are complete underdogs and have nothing to lose. Like yeah. those, those are the countries that really want to show up and put their best players forward and their best foot forward and kinda of make the name for themselves on the international stage. And I think we did that in two thousand six, but we we ended up not going past the first round. And that's the goal for us is to to advance and you know to to make you know some money for the for the national team because our national team kinda of struggles for uh, donations. So it's like a big deal. Uh, to do well at the World Baseball Classic for us.
0: It is funny, right? Like, we remember, we, we significantly remember in this country, like, the times that U.S. hockey has defeated Canada, right? Like, it means that much to us because it doesn't happen all the time. And on the flip side, I completely get why it was such a big deal at that point. Adam Lowen is with us here on GCR. He's getting ready to play for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. Um, Adam, is there is there anything at this point, and I and I ask, knowing first of all, I I don't. We have not talked since your wife passed away, and I am so sorry that you experienced something like that. And I can't even imagine. Is is any of this about like wanting to honor her and play one more time?
11: Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, it's kind of a lot, a lot of different things. Um, I want my kids to like remember seeing me play, and yeah. And then to have that memory as well, I got a, a son that's eight years old and a daughter that's six. And, you know, they've they've gone through it with me. And it's just us right now. So, like, I, I really want to share that moment with them as well.
0: Do, do they, like, have any understanding that, like, daddy is a big deal? Like, did do does any of that, like, register with them that, like... You've done amazing things, or is it just like, no? He's just he's just dad. Like that's all he. I I asked that because I too have an eight year old and a five year old, and I don't think if I was in your shoes, they would have any feel for it whatsoever.
11: Well, right now I'm just dad. They've never seen anything different than just yeah. taking care of them. So, um, they they ha- they like trade my baseball cards. That's about as <laughs> as famous as they think I am, but. I mean, I'm not really a big deal. I'm just like anybody else, and and I like that they think that of me. Like, I don't want them to think I'm a bigger deal than I am. I, get I just want to share, like, a moment with them and 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 something special that I love to do.
0: Is it is it just pitching for the World Baseball Classic, or are you going to go swing the bat if called upon?
11: Um, Ernie Witt told me I'm the emergency outfielder. Okay, all right. So I don't know that. <laughs> that's if everybody goes down <laughs> I was say,
0: how much how much ground can you cover at this point in your life Adam?
11: not much so we'll, <laughs> i guess shifts are out of the point so i'll be by myself but uh <laughs> yeah I, I mean i could i could make do i think all right
0: all right we can accept, i'm not
11: that slow <laughs> we can accept that
0: um are, are you having any emotions like, like I, at this point can we presume this is the end or could you could you find yourself in a couple of years team canada called again you'd say Ah hell, if I can help, I go out and do it one more time.
11: I think this is the end. Okay. Um, that's the way I'm I'm looking at it, but that's just because I don't think, you know, any other teams want me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're saying there's not I'd a, a still ton of play if I could. Yeah, you're saying sure. there's not a ton of demand for thirty eight year olds at this no, point that have been out there of the game
1: for a couple of years.
0: Are are you feeling emotions related to that? And like I I, I try telling people, like, I, my producer is, you know, in his young 20s. He has, no, you, like, your story doesn't resonate with him the way it does with me and with guys that are more, you know, you and I are very similar in age. Um, are you feeling some emotions about the totality of the journey thinking about it getting to this point?
11: Um, yeah, I think just looking back on the last couple of years of my life, you know, things have changed so much. It's hard not to look at the totality now and just the, how much more appreciation I have for for the career that I had. You know, going through it, I always felt like I, I failed over and over again and tried something new. And, and yeah, there were, like, it was a good story. I did make it back up as a hitter, but I only had that month, so, like, you can look at it a lot of different ways, and, and looking back on it, I I do feel very blessed that I had those second chances. And, and it is kind of emotional, yeah, thinking about it.
0: I think it's one of the most unique stories in modern baseball history. Like, I I, I really feel that way. And I, I wonder how, in reflecting on that, like, how, how do you feel? What are your emotions about the Baltimore years? Because to your point, right, like, it'd be easy to say, you know, is it, is it the story of failure versus the story of, Hey, in order to have lived this, this journey, it had to start somewhere. Like when you reflect on the Baltimore years, what, what are the emotions that come with that?
11: I always felt like, you know, I should have stayed in Baltimore. Like, um, yeah, I always felt bad about going to Toronto and, and playing there, but, um, you know, there is a business side to both sides. And, of course. And uh, I just felt like I had to make the best decision for me at the time. But, um, yeah, I always felt, like, loyal to the Baltimore fans. And, and I know everybody was upset when I left. Um, so I do feel bad about
0: that. No, I mean, I look, man, it, it, 100%, you got to do what you have to do. Do you? Do you ever... Does your mind ever wander towards like, what if I had been working as a hitter the entire line? Do you ever do any of that, or are you able to sort of compartmentalize and say, "Hey, this was always gonna be my story." I don't, I don't get caught up in the what ifs.
11: Yeah, I'm, I'm not the person that caught, caught up in the what ifs. It's yeah. like your story is your story. Like why you're just, you know, you're going backwards, thinking about all the stuff that could have happened. Like I, I never got stuck in. In those kind of situations where I, you know, think about the what ifs and if I'd been a hitter the whole time, would I have had a, you know, a 10-year career in the big leagues? Uh, I'm just thankful for what I had and, and all the chances that I had.
0: It's, it's amazing. It's I mean, like, again, it, there's a very small percentage of people that ever got to be a Major League Baseball p- player. There's a far smaller percentage of people that will ever be able to say that they did the things that you did. And I... I Again, I know that maybe that doesn't that pales in comparison to say being a five-time All Star or something like that. But but I gotta feel like you there's an, a uniqueness to that that stands out to you in an amazing way. Like you, your story is so much different than the story of almost any player that played at the highest level of baseball.
11: Yeah, I guess um, you know when I really think about it, I, I guess that kind of fueled me uh, was wanting to do the things that people had never done before. Yeah. And I was, I am proud of that. I mean, I, I didn't have that, you know, five time all star in the big league level. I didn't have that. So that's what I have to hang my hat on is, is, you know, achieving those, those things. But, um, yeah, that seems like so long ago. Um, <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> that,
10: dude, I yeah, like a, I, I'm kind of,
11: just moved on from all these emotions that you know you're kind of bringing them back, and I just really haven't thought about it in understand. a while. And,
0: and look, I, I certainly understand why. In comparison, you've had your emotions have been in a lot of other places in the last couple yeah. of years. I can completely understand that, man. um What how what do you have in you? So like, uh, one of the problems of the World Baseball Classic, of course, is that like you got to hold back on innings for pitchers. But I, I presume that's not like are you you got you know 150 pitches in you something like that if necessary
11: i i mean i'll i'll do whatever is necessary like i'm right. not a god that they're trying to protect for sure yeah and so i got 150 it's kind it. of the
0: unique part of this right like yeah. everybody else can come out firing you got to pull them after one inning you're like dude you if i got it leave me out there all night this is it for me
11: is that how it works? The only the organizational guys are protected. I,
0: I don't. I, I gotta be honest with you. I actually don't know the rules. It's a, it's a very fair. I question. think everybody is. Oh, okay, so I guess it would be unfair yeah. if a team could just do it that way. But man, it's a shame yeah. <laughs> because it would give you a huge advantage <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. Um. Uh. Who's who is it that like? It, it. You know, this time around, is there somebody that you've connected with that like is it? is a teammate that means the most, like a guy that's been around for a little while. I think about like Larry Walker being part of the staff, right? Like, that's a really cool thing. Like, is there another guy there that you've been around for a long time that it's meaningful for you to go back and do this with again at this point in your life?
11: Um, He's not going to be there, but the, the name that immediately came to mind was Scotty McGregor, how influential he was even, in my career. I didn't even think about Um that. But you're talking, yeah, like uh, he was, he was always there for me, still calls me to this day. Really? Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Can you, can you tell me about that? So Scotty was
0: actually just down in Sarasota working with the Orioles um, as like a guest instructor the last couple of weeks. Can you, can you tell me about, you know, I, obviously I know he's been in the organization for forever and was working as a coach, but how did that you know, relationship come about that it continued with the two of you
11: guys? He was my pitching coach in Frederick. And I always saw him in spring training. I don't know. We just, like, we have the same personalities. We're, like, mild-mannered and laid back. And he just took a liking to me and a a couple other guys. And we just had this tight little unit where we would go to dinner after games. Uh, J.J. Johnson was another one that was really tight with him. and, And we just formed this. Just bond and uh, and faith and family and uh, just a you know a life-lasting relationship. That's and, so cool, man. He uh, was just always really influential to me. Uh, just his outlook on life and baseball and and what really mattered.
1: It was
0: like when you were trying to battle your way back into baseball, you were still reaching out to him and asking for advice, things like that.
11: It's... Yeah. Um, wow. You know, we haven't talked as much as we usually do over the years, but, you know, as people go on their separate lives, that's the way with anybody. But, yeah, you know, we still talk on the phone every once in a while and catch up and ask how each other's families are doing. That's awesome, man. And, uh, yeah, I still think about him a lot.
0: That's so cool, dude. I, I, I not know that. That's an incredible story, man. Adam Lohan, what 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 is like, you know, obviously being a dad of course is what stands out, but when this is over, what what where does life take you? Like after the world baseball classic, are you still involved in the game in any capacity?
11: Um I just work with like friends, kids around here. I I built a mound on the side of my house and I, I use that to train and and you know, I'll have kids come throw for me. Uh but right now I'm I'm a full time dad and just do like investments on the side and hopefully, you know, I'm working on transitioning into, um, you know, what I want to do the rest of my life. It's awesome.
0: Uh, Adam, I'm, I'm, it's really exciting. I was so excited when I saw the story because uh, to me, you've been such an easy guy to root for over the years and, you know, to, to have your kids get an opportunity to see you pitch in an event like this. That's a, that's an awesome thing, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm wishing your family all the best and, Really appreciate you hopping on, taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Best of luck in the World Baseball Classic. Thank you for doing this today.
11: Absolutely, no problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Adam Lowen, former Oriole, with us here on GCR. Uh, Again, one of the most unique stories in modern baseball history. As a guy who made it as a pitcher, had to go back and reconsider everything, got back to the big leagues as a hitter, had to go back, reconsider everything, got back to the big leagues as a pitcher. It is one of the most unique stories that we have ever seen in the game of baseball. And, um, you know, there was a lot of hype surrounding Adam Lowe when he first came up with the Orioles. I mean, he was supposed to be a star of stars, so you'll, you'll mention Adam Lowen's name to an Orioles fan of a certain age, and they'll kind of cringe a little bit because he didn't end up becoming the guy that so many of us thought he was going to be become. become. But what he did amazing i mean it's amazing the career that he ended up putting together and what he was able to do in reinventing himself multiple times and stretching out a baseball career that again now is going to see him compete one more time here in the world baseball classic It'll be a cool story and will make me inclined if somebody like i'm not going to tell you i'm going to go out of my way but if i'm watching on twitter one night and somebody's like hey the world baseball class is going on it's canada adam lowe i'm like i'll flip over i'll flip over because of that All right, we are winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Today's show has also been brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. They are hiring. If you missed out on the hiring event on Saturday, there are still going to be plenty of opportunities for you coming up here in March and moving forward. Go to joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Cadet salary started over $32,000 a year, entry-level officers over $60,000 a year, lateral officers over $64,000, with plenty of advancement opportunities available, specialized um, chances for you to use your own skill set with the Baltimore County Police Department in a more specialized way. And for both entry-level and lateral officers, there are signing bonuses of $10,000 available as well. Again, join BaltimoreCountyPD.com is the website for you to find out more. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
2: Uh, all right, so Caitlin Clark hit a uh, another buzzer beater, game-winning three to get uh, to knock off the number two rank. Uh, it Indiana was during our Rangers. show yesterday, and yes. I was just
0: looking up, and I was like, oh, my God. She's a monster, yeah, she did everything. Kind of makes it even more remarkable that Marilyn kicked her ass so much right, the other
2: night. Well, because Marilyn's just better.
0: Uh, well, they had a they had a barn burner with Ohio State on yeah. Saturday. That's right, that's right. or it? Friday? Was that Friday? Friday night. It yeah. was Friday night. Yes, you're right.
2: Um, but anyway, she assisted or scored uh 56 of those Iowa fi- uh, 86 points. I mean, that's not surprising. Um, yeah, that's what she does. 30 of their 40 first half points. She's crazy, so, man. Yeah, Caitlin Clark, pretty good at basketball. Patrick
0: Mahomes is tweeting about her after the game. Like, she is a star, dude. Mm. She is everything. Like, she is just electric to watch.
2: Uh, and then also on Saturday, Michigan State in Iowa. It's so,
0: it's so funny, by the way, to the point where I said this to Rita. I'm like, I was actually disappointed a little bit in the Maryland Iowa game because I was I was tuning in to watch Maryland, but I was also in in part yeah, tuning in to watch Caitlin, Caitlin Clark, Clark. Yeah. And I didn't get that. Now the game was so entertaining because Maryland was just so dominant, but I didn't get half of what I tuned into the game yeah.
2: for. Yeah. Terps were just too good. They were like, yep. well. Yeah, not going to see her. Not today, yes. Uh, and then in, in men's basketball, Michigan State in Iowa. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, had a Yeah, just a, Kevin Brown was on the call. It was a fun game I have, I've pointed out a few yeah.
0: times, I wish I was mature enough to not giggle. So I don't know if you saw me tweet about this. Oh, yesterday. yes, I did see that, actually. There's the picture of Fran McCaffrey. So for those that don't know, and it was, it's been everywhere, <laughs> Fran McCaffrey just took an down. entire time out just to stare at the lead official. That's it. No words. Just walked over. Got right in his face, stared him down like a psychopath, and his picture is getting shared, and this video is getting shared everywhere. If you don't know, the Royal Farms of that the, part of the, the country, Midwest, of the, I guess of the, yeah. the the but like the plain, the Midwest, Midwest. Plains, yeah. I want to say, um, is a is a convenience store called Come and Go, but the Come is spelled K U M, and I wish I could ever reach an age. Where that doesn't make me giggle, but I never will. There will never be an age you shouldn't. where I, I can't, I can't do it. So all when you guys are sharing out that picture about Fran McCaffrey being a psychopath, it's all I can see is that the advertisement on the chairs courtside at Carver Hawk Arena is for "Come and Go" with a K, K U M.
2: I can't do it. That picture was also funny because you could see Robbie Hummel and Kevin Brown like they're yeah. sitting courtside and yeah. like they're like peering through Fran McCaffrey's right. like arms like that. Right, they're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So yeah, anyway, but was that wasn't even the wildest part of the game. They were yeah. down
0: by thirteen with a minute and a half to play. They were down by ten with like forty-eight seconds to play, and they ended up yeah. winning the game. Um.
2: Time. And it was also both teams. Uh, it was the first game in Big Ten game in the last twenty-five years to see both teams score a hundred plus points in regulation. Yeah, wild. So wild.
0: Yeah. I mean, just a wild.
2: It thing. was a wild game. And then last night,
0: I, I said this yesterday. College basketball this weekend felt March AF. Mm-hmm. Like this. It's a shame that it's so late in the season, but it really felt like college basketball began this weekend. You had Arizona State hitting a three quarter oh court shot at the buzzer to beat you had Hunter Dickinson last night. No- Hunter Dickerson. Hunter yesterday. Dickinson with a turnaround three to force the overtime. overtime. Um, you had the Florida State-Miami game. Yep, where they're like, down the 25. Last... So that was the largest
2: comeback in ACC. That I, I, I was a tidbit I decided not to include. Yeah. It was like the largest comeback in ACC history. Well,
0: and it's not just the comeback. Then like in the final 10 seconds, both teams made threes. Like There was a go-ahead three, and then the game-winning three at the buzzer. It was a... Wi- I mean, Jameer Young hit a buzzer beater at the end of the first half yesterday. Yeah. Like It was just a wild, wild weekend of college basketball. It felt March AF. Um. So
2: Damian Lillard did drop seventy one. Yes, last that happened night. last night. Um. And, and this is now the first he, he season. hit his
0: points total in the first half. Whatever yeah, the, it the, the the number he was forty.
2: Yeah, he hit he it in the 40. first half. Yes. Um. It was, it's now the first season in NBA history with multiple seventy point games in the same in one season.
0: I don't think that I knew that. Yeah. Was, um, I don't think that I. It was Donovan Mitchell, right? Was the yeah. Other yeah. One?
1: yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: Spider Mitchell. Yeah. Um so now he is it is also his fifth game with 60 or more points. Uh and he join well did, he he's on a list uh of six players who have multiple 60-point career 60-point ga- games in their career. Can you name the other five that are on this list? Multiple 60-point sure. c- games in a career. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is on this list. Second on the list was Six. Um, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is on this list. He is fifth. He has four sixty what a point games. He stinks.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean, I'll say LeBron. I th- not LeBron. Okay. LeBron
2: only did sixty one once. Speaking of bums.
0: Yeah, that guy stinks. Will Chamberlain. Uh yes. I he mean, the guy is, scored a hundred points in
2: yeah, a game. He is uh, he he did this thirty two times.
0: Thirty two <laughs> times. Holy crap.
2: Kobe's second was six. Damon's
0: third <laughs> with five. Wilt did it
2: thirty-two times. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, so there were. All right, so I got three of them.
2: E yeah, and four or uh, yeah, well, three, Lillard, three of five, yeah, three of the five. Three of the five because Lillard was mm-hmm. the yeah. So two more. So there's two more. Um, modern or one is modern. One one is currently playing, and one is One currently is, is current. Long playing. time ago. Durant? Not Durant. Durant? Durant? Yeah, I don't think Ever, Durant is a sixty. Yeah, I don't think of him. Uh s-
1: I don't think Steph is either, right? Is no, Steph?
2: Steph is not on there. Steph, did, Steph had 62 once. James Harden? James Harden, four times. Yeah, James Harden has dropped 60 and, points. And the other one, uh, Kareem. Not Kareem. Uh, Moses Malone. Not Moses Malone. Carl Malone. Not Carl Malone. Michael Malone. No. <laughs> um,
0: but Kevin Malone from
2: yeah. The Office. <laughs> no, not him. <laughs> He's been our answer for Kevin
0: Malone, the assistant general manager of the Orioles from Once Upon a Time. Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Okay. He's been our answer before,
2: like when we're doing these old basketball doing these old
0: basketball things. He's been our answer.
2: He's Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor. Three times. Drop sixty okay. points.
0: All right. Very good.
2: Um, and then there was something else I wanted. Oh, so Dame joins uh, Harden, Jordan, and Kobe as the only players to have multiple sixty-point games in a single season. And only Dame and Kobe have done this twice. Ah, so How about that? Yeah, How about that?
0: Tidbit was also brought to you today by Birdland Sports. You see this awesome Gunnar Henderson T-shirt that I'm holding up there? I was Whoa. holding it up to no one. That's okay. a very cool T-shirt, isn't it? That's amazing. And you can get it right now with the hair flying everywhere. You can get it at birdlandsports.com. Started by O's fans for O's fans. Fun player gear, a little bit non-traditional stuff, the Hillbilly Hayes T-shirt. Uh, is very cool. I swiped a couple shirts for myself last week. We're gonna be giving more away this week, but you can get your gear. I got the uh, the birds are coming. The play on Omar, mm-hmm. like because I love uh, Michael K. Williams so bad. I came up on his episode of The Sopranos while I was doing oh my, my rewatch gosh, that this weekend, was like so... and it was I I forgot it was coming. Like I just forgot that it was when Jackie goes to the the goes know, down the yeah you know. to try to get into hiding. And when the door opens and you see them, like the joy that was on my face in that moment was overwhelming. So I'm doing my Sopranos rewatch right now. So I wanted that Birds Are Coming t-shirt. I posted it on uh, Twitter and on Facebook, and everybody was like, oh, my God, i got to have that. I'm like, well, you can get it. Go to birdlandsports.com. And you'll get it. I had a couple people ask, like, well, I, w- I want to make sure. Somebody said, is there an actual store I can go get it from? I'm like, no, you got to get it at Birdland Sports. But don't worry about it. We put our order in uh, last Monday and had the shirts by Friday. So... The turnaround is extraordinarily quick. You're going to have them in plenty of time for opening day, in plenty of time, even if you're – unless you're leaving tomorrow for spring training. If you're going next week, you're going to have them by then. Get to birdlandsports.com. Get your order in. Tubular is brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox. Speaking of Gunnar Henderson, there he is on the cover of the print issue of PressBox. Pick it up for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all pressboxonline.com. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Morgan and Coppin are in action. Penultimate games of the regular season for them. Morgan's at UMES at 730. Coppin at Delaware State at 730 as well. Um, Nothing significant college basketball-wise. Spring training baseball. Mets Cardinals at 1 on ESPN. The A-Sun tournament starts. Okay. Tonight in college basketball. That's thank you uh no broadcast at all no it's not no broadcast at all no radio no visiting team no nothing for Rays orioles today at one elvin rodriguez and bruce zimmerman the pitching matchup sorry does the game even happen i mean i guess they're gonna have a, <laughs> if a tree falls in the forest That's what it is <laughs> uh, the, the the it's a big day for the beat writers today because yeah, there'll like, be a lot of their tweets then. actually unlike every other game where they're just tweeting what happened and you're like yeah i know i'm watching the game i don't Need you to tell me that somebody hit a double. I'm watching it. Today, their tweets are actually relevant. So, big day for the, the baseball beat writers. NHL Network, Bruins, Oilers at 8.30, NBA TV, Heat, Sixers at 7. More spring training on MLB Network, Mariners, White Sox at 3, Tigers, Yankees at 6.30. USA for WWE Raw tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, not a whole lot. Bachelor's on, on
2: ABC because it's Monday. Fallon's going to have Gigi Hadid. Uh, Maryland native Chase Stokes. Uh, what do, I, what do I, what, what he's, I know? He's John B. in uh, Outer Banks. Oh, Okay, but he's he was born in Annapolis. He actually grew up grew up in Atlanta. But mm-hmm. He was born in Annapolis. Okay, we'll
0: still claim him. Yeah, it's Shane McClanahan, right?
2: <laughs> and then uh, Seth Meyers is gonna have Woody Harrelson and now Horan, and then uh, that's it. I mean, history's greatest thing with Peyton Manning on nope. the History Channel. Nope, he's doing uh Nope, it was they did top ten candies last week. They're doing nope. the top ten inventions.
0: Nope, <laughs> tonight. Nope. All right, very good. Thanks uh, today. Oh, uh, Tubular was also brought to you today by PressboxOnline.com/slash/offers. Bet five dollars, get two hundred dollars in free bets with DraftKings, but you got to use a link at PressboxOnline.com/slash/offers. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Spiro Maricus for joining us in the studio. Thanks to Adam Lowen, and thanks as well to Walt Williams. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's so good. TabitGlenClarkRadio.com stuff and things. Can't wait. Patrick Stevens will join us for sure tomorrow. We'll talk some more Terps with him and stuff and things on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, the Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, uh, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass this is how you can follow him. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glen Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Morgan, go Coppin', Duke
10: sucks.